Right now, it's Bernie and Sid in the morning on the world famous Top Radio 77 WABC. The first pick in the 2020 draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU, with the fourth pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the New York Giants select Andrew Thomas, tackle, Georgia, with the fifth pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins select Tua Tungavaloa, quarterback, Alabama. With the 11th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Makai Becton. Tackle, Louisville. Well, there you have it, folks. The uh, NFL draft last night, right there in the basement. You heard from the commissioner of the National Football League, Roger Goodell. That was his basement in Bronxville in Westchester, where he made all the first-round picks. And once again, no surprise, the Heisman Trophy award-winning quarterback out of LSU, Joe Burrow, goes to Cincinnati. We'll see if he starts this year. They saw the veteran Andy Dalton on that roster. The Giants, they take a big-time offensive lineman from Georgia, which makes sense when you've got a superstar third-year running back in Saquon Barkley and a big-time second-year quarterback in Daniel Jones. The Dolphins... My folks down in Miami, our folks, Bernie, uh, they go after the quarterback out of Alabama, too. They've needed a quarterback, really, since Dan Marino retired about 30 years ago. And the Jets, with Sam Donald going into his third season at quarterback, they draft a big-time offensive lineman as well. So with that said, we're off and running. NFL draft, first round done. Rounds two and three coming up today at 7 p.m. Rounds four through seven coming up tomorrow on ESPN. But uh, round one, right here with Bernie and Sid on this Friday morning, is now here. Good Friday morning, Bernard. Good Friday morning, Sydney. Uh, very exciting. So uh, essentially, the Giants and the Jets both opted for protection. That's right. That's right. Is that, <laughs> can I sum it up? Uh, yeah, just, just... absolutely. You want to make a yeah. condom and uh, condom analogy? You can I, do that. I, I don't know what you're talking about, the condom <laughs> thing. But uh, they opted for protection. Yeah, listen. You, you need to protect. You need protection. That's, you, that's right. You've got, you've got young, skilled players. Again, the Giants' second-year yes. quarterback, Daniel Jones. The Jets' third-year quarterback, Sam Donald. And as I always say on this show with you, and people have said for many, many years, quarterbacks are usually better when they're upright throwing the football than when they're, when they're on their ass. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or running away from somebody. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it was fun last night. A couple of, uh, couple of glitches, but uh, nothing major. I mean, Roger Goodell did start off the draft last night. Last night by thanking the Las Vegas Raiders for hosting this year's draft. Now, we know, of course, the draft uh, was not in Las Vegas last night. All the GMs and players were home, and Goodell was in Westchester. They will host the NFL draft in two years in Las Vegas. Next year, it's Cleveland, Ohio. So that was a bit off. It was really Westchester, not Las Vegas. And then the, right. the, one, um, the one visual that was kind of funny last night, of course, it's here, has to be in New York, and that is the only guy that I saw last night wearing a mask inside his own house, which, you know, pisses me off. Giants GM Dave Gettleman wearing a mask <laughs> in his house in New Jersey. And he was probably, well, I guess he wasn't by himself when you think about it. You have to have a cameraman and all that stuff, but... Uh 
What kind of grandstanding is that? Well, he didn't have a cameraman because I guess they did it from their computers, but he did have a young IT guy there. But the IT guy was uh, nowhere near him. They were practicing social distancing. He didn't need the mask. Yeah, he was in it's Phil Murphy's state, right? So uh, that's true. You know, Phil Murphy is a, is is a, he's a tyrant. He's he's a, he's arrested. He arrested people. He arrested a guy. Uh, didn't he arrest a guy playing catch somewhere? Yes, yes. With uh, his son. So uh, maybe uh, he was he was extra worried. He didn't want to get busted in the middle of the uh, uh, draft. I don't know. Well, I, listen, I, yeah, I saw some of it. I saw. Uh, Actually, I guess it was mock Boeing. They were mock Boeing. Roger Goodell. Yes. At the beginning, that was a little lame too. The uh, in fact, meaning you brought that up. The mock Boeing at the tra- <laughs> the uh, the canned Boeing. That was a bit lame, right? Yeah, it's uh, very uh, just a boomer, right? That's that thing going around. Boomer. It's a little. Out, it just sounded old and out. Uh, you know, Chris weird. Berman. Yeah, Phil Mushnick in today's New York Post just ripped him. So he's enough of this guy already. But uh, listen, it was still fun. And again, the Giants got a big-time tackle. That's good. The Jets for Joe Nolan and Matt Meany got a tackle. Uh, maybe not the best choice. It may have been one or two better, but he's got a ton of potential. Dolphins, like I said, get a quarterback. Three quarterbacks taken in the first six picks last night. But you did mention Governor Phil Murphy. We've got our own problems here in New York with our governor, <laughs> Andrew Cuomo. And now it's gotten very, very, very ugly, Bernard, between our governor, Andrew Cuomo, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, these two fight almost every single day. Well, it's it's it actually yes, you're right, you're right, a thousand percent right about that. Uh, it's uh, the Democrats, all the Democrats, and even some Republicans. Peter King uh, getting very very angry with Mitch McConnell. Peter King actually referred this. to McConnell as Maria Antoinette. Let them eat cake. That's right. Yes, because he doesn't want. Well, listen, there is a, a certain amount of truth. Now, as a New Yorker. I'd be stupid to say I don't want the most money that New York can possibly get from the federal government. I'd be an idiot. I'd be a fool. I'd be suicidal. But there is truth in that uh, some of these Democratic governors have squandered the money. I mean, we're the, one, of, one of the highest uh, tax states in the nation, maybe the highest tax, if not New Jersey. I don't know which, which of the two. But uh, and, and people are fleeing. So their revenue is going down. The people who pay taxes, the revenue is going down. They've had a problem with their fiscal house, if you will, for a long time. And that they are, in a, a, to a certain extent, trying to use this uh, pandemic crisis as an opportunity to get extra money from the government. Right. And uh, McConnell is saying, look, well, we're only going to give you coronavirus-related money. That's really all you should get. And they're, they're, they're laying on the histrionics. And I don't play, you know, you're going to get, you're going to try to get what you want for your state. That's what you do. And what he does uh, as, you know, the, uh, the, the, the top guy in the Senate, he tries to say, uh, no, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a fiscal conservative here and I'm not going to bail you out because you give college tuition to illegal aliens and health care to illegal aliens and all kinds of stuff. And, and you, you have a corrupt uh, a solar panel plant that you blew a billion dollars on, things like that. You no, no, want to help bail them out for that No, stuff. that's true. And you can make the argument that some of these governors are holding up the federal government almost like a ransom. But you made it sound very nice for McConnell and the Republicans, which you often do, by the way, Bernie. He did talk about blue states specifically. He did make it very, very political. McConnell did. So if I'm Andrew Cuomo, I'm doubly pissed off because I want the money. And secondly, it is clear that Mitch McConnell singled out blue states like ours in New York. In fact, here is Andrew Cuomo talking about what he thought were very insensitive comments out of Mitch McConnell. Cut one. For crying out loud, if there was ever a time you're going to put aside, for you to put aside your pettiness and your partisanship and this 
political lens that you see the world through, Democrat and Republican, and we help Republicans, but we don't help Democrats. That's not who we are. It's just not who we are as a people. I mean, if there's ever a time for humanity and decency, now is the time. Yeah, one more, one more, then we'll we'll get to your point, Bernard. So he's talking about humanity. Put aside the partisan politics, because McConnell did... But let me just quickly, then he promptly went on CNN after that, where that's all they engage in, is petty politics. Listen, listen, that that doesn't matter. But go ahead. He's having a fight with McConnell. McConnell did say blue states. He did single out Democrat governors and and Democrat states. So on this uh, this side, I'm actually on the favor of Cuomo, even though I do believe some of these governors are holding the federal government for ransom. Here's uh, one more, and this is where you can really hear a pissed-off... New York governor. You know, we've been talking about funding for state and local governments, and it was not in the bill that the House is going to pass today. They said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, the next bill. As soon as the Senate passed it, this current bill, Senator Mitch McConnell goes out and he says, uh, maybe the states should declare bankruptcy. Okay. This is one of the really dumb ideas of all time. <laughs> I mean, words do matter. I understand. Again, I'm with you. I understand that New York squanders well, I don't know money. If you're with me. No, if, I understand. You, I, I understand. You, I understand New York yeah. squanders money, and I understand that, that they had a, they had a, they had a problem prior to the pandemic. Re, you remember, people were fleeing. We've had a he had a he was six billion dollars in the but, hole but, but, but before you're, the coronavirus. You're, but you're only talking about New York. There's other blue states That's, that yeah, Mitch McConnell blue, was talking about. Because it is the blue states that are in trouble because they spend money like drunken sailors and they, ta- they, they tax the highest and they spend the most money, waste, fraud and abuse. That's where it is in the blue states. But you don't think once he says that he has he, he makes a political right there, whether it's a blue states or not. You can you can say that without saying blue states, without saying Democrats. Once you say that, which McConnell did, he made it political. Why would he do that? Because that happens to be factual when you look at New Jersey, Connecticut, New York, Illinois, Michigan, California. They're all blue states. Those are the states where they have the biggest uh, the amount of debt and the biggest, the highest tax rate. And the states where people are fleeing the most, where the revenue is going down. They have a big fiscal problem. Now, I, again, I'd be like I said, I'd be a fool to say that I don't want the money from the federal government because I'm a New Yorker. But if the federal government does bail them out. Uh, even for not uh, and, and includes non-coronavirus related stuff, then the federal government should have a say in how you go forward in spending that money. You, it's not going to be business as usual in the past where you wasted for uh, again tuition for illegal immigrants, like stuff like that, which is ridiculous, stupid. It's wasteful as a taxpayer. I don't want to pay for that, and that the government should have to have a say in that if they get money to bail them out. Uh, generally speaking, if it's for non-coronavirus related stuff, if it's coronavirus. They should get all the money that they deserve. All right, fair enough. Bernie McGurk, of course, uh, home on Long Island today. I'm in the studios. he got three great guests today starting at 820. He was actually voted into the Basketball Hall of Fame this year. He goes in this summer. He's the voice of the New York Knicks and, of course, the big ESPN NBA games. And that is our dear friend Mike Breen. He'll talk about the possible return of the NBA. And, of course, this wonderful Michael Jordan documentary, which killed it in the ratings last Sunday, episodes three and four coming up on ESPN this Sunday night at 9 o'clock. It's a 10-part series, actually. Also, at uh, 9 o'clock, this morning, the president and CEO of Maimonides Hospital in Brooklyn, Ken Gibbs, is going to stop by. And then the mayor himself, dear friend Rudy Giuliani, stopping by at 940. So three great guests today, 1-800-848-WABC. Shining in. Not today. 
Not any day. The weather has Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Heard everywhere in the 77 WABC app. Listen, what is going on with the weather? Today, I mean, it's like... I mean, we we need some sunshine and warmth is what we need. Come on, this uh, the, the, these monsoons and this this cold weather. Depressing. As uh, we 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 reach uh, the precipice of the first of May, it, this is not what we're looking for at this time where we're all shut in with this pandemic. I mean, we we need something something to give us. It's going to be nice tomorrow, though. I won't hold that out yeah, for it's, you. It's not that nice. It's going to be 60, partly sunny. It should be like 67 and sunny every day. I got to tell you, there's a picture in today's New York Post of a plane on the way to Miami. And the plane is packed, by the way. Like every seat is taken because nobody's flying these days. Every seat is taken. Nobody's wearing a mask, by the way. Nobody. But they're all getting out of here to go to Miami. It, it was terrible. Yeah, the, uh, the this one lady was complaining. She was the one who took the pictures. Uh, her name was uh, Lucy Chang or something like that. And she was, like, freaking out. She couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was 95% full, this uh, plane yeah. going to Miami. No masks. And, None. <laughs> by the way, you, you can't blame them for wanting to go to uh, Miami. It's going to be nice down there, obviously. 82 and sunny today. I'm going next week. I'm telling you right now, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and and the uh, the the uh, disaster, really, the uh, coronavirus disaster that was predicted for Florida did not occur. No, it not even not close. Occur. No, in fact, Governor no. Ron DeSantis, uh, mm-hmm. Bernie, is starting because, you know, I do a radio show Thursday, Andy Slater. Today I'll be on with the Greek down at WINZ in Miami. They are starting to reopen some things, not like Georgia today. They're reopening the whole state. But South Florida, yeah. Miami, they're getting ready to uh, getting ready to reopen some stuff. And, and, and you know, DeSantis, uh, he gets slapped around in this uh, with the fake news media. DeSantis does. And so does uh, governors like uh, Christy Nome in South Dakota. Because, of course, they're Republicans. That, they get slapped around. Now, the Florida death rate, uh, seems how you brought it up, from coronavirus per 100,000. The Florida death rate per 100,000 is four people per 100,000. In South Dakota, it's one per 100,000. In New York, it's 81 per 100,000. So, I mean, I think Ron DeSantis should get some credit. He he took a lot of heat for allowing people to do this, do that, go to the beaches or whatever. And yet he was and they have an elderly population that's off the charts down in Florida. And they were able to hold it down to four per 100,000, which is pretty amazing. And, you know, some other news came out yesterday. Of course, uh, we talked about it late in the show. The unemployment numbers, another uh, 4.4 million people apparently uh, signed up last week. And uh, bringing the total now to 26.5 million people out of work, which is an incredible, astonishing number. Uh, I think it's next week we'll have the total numbers for the month of May. But uh, it's up like uh, 16% unemployment. And, and wiped out every single job that, was, uh, that, we, that we acquired since the recession of 2008-2009. Every single job has been wiped out, uh, numbers-wise. So anyway... Uh, <clears throat> As we come back, somebody asked the governor of Pennsylvania this week about the about the, there are some jobs available and about people getting so much money from the government that they don't want to go back to work. Here's how the exchange went. A business owner asks if we have employees that are currently laid off and we call them back to work and they tell us that they don't or won't come back because they're getting paid more with unemployment and the $600 bonus in a week that we're paying them. What can we do? Can their unemployment be revoked? No. Uh, and as a former business owner, uh, if you ever face that kind of a situation, there's one really simple thing you can do as a business owner, and that is raise the compensation of your employees. 
Raise the compensation. Well, they, they can't do that. They don't have any money. Look, it, it, there's a real dilemma. I was the first one to tell you this, Bernard. You thought it was four to six hundred. I said no. I know somebody getting a thousand. You're like a thousand. I'm like yeah, a thousand. And uh, now you know that folks are getting a thousand dollars a week to stay home. Most of those folks don't make anywhere near that. Again, very anecdotal. But my friend Raul, who owns those tanning salons and stuff all over Manhattan, uh, his employees right now don't want to come back because he can't pay them nearly what they're making to stay home right now. Well, you know what? Uh, let's go. Let's skip. Uh, uh, Senator Graham had an answer, uh, a response to that guy, t- telling him he's just wrong. Americans want to work, but uh, this other guy, he runs this. Uh, ba- you may have heard of the uh, a guy down in Florida, based in Tampa, Bay Star Restaurant Chain. Said, are you familiar with that? I don't, because I stay on the East Coast with the Jews, and Tampa is the guy I'm on the West Coast. Well, this is the uh, this is statewide, according to. Uh, okay. uh, the interview I saw was say base star restaurant owner. He said about getting his employees back to work. He wants to reopen. This is what he said. Listen, the employees, uh, we furloughed them. Some of them took unemployment because, as you very well know, that, you know, the unemployment, if you, I got dishwashers, I got servers that are making three hundred dollars. They're getting six hundred dollars from from <laughs> the federal government. And, uh, you know, they're going for for the unemployment. So he, can't, yeah. get a, he can't get the people to come back to work. No. Hey. It's a unbelievable, you know, a little screwed up. Uh, disincentivizing people to want to work is not exactly what the uh, point of giving people relief is. But uh, finally, if you want to ask what's going on, why now are they moving the goalposts? Why are they changing everything? It's got to be a test everybody and then contact trace every single body. And so when is the coronavirus going to end? Well, you know who has the answer to that? God. Alexa. Oh, Alexa has okay. the answer, to, as she does to everything else. Listen to uh, some guy ask Alexa. Alexa, how long will the coronavirus last? The virus itself may last only two more weeks or so, but the faction known as the Democrat Party will continue to make it last psychologically for at least six more months. Their motivation is to thoroughly ruin the economy and blame our great President Trump for it. They are trying to stop his inevitable re-election by any surreptitious means possible. It is well known that people who do not suffer from TDS are too smart for this hoax and will not allow it to go beyond four more weeks. The lazy Americans with TDS will continue to milk the government for more money and time off from work confusing it with being their sugar daddy. We can agree that not longer than four to six weeks in America will be back online. <laughs> oh, that is great. Is that not priceless? No, that is great. I mean, uh, and, and accurate. And, and, and it's accurate. On the money. Damn right. Bernie and Sid in the morning on 77 WABC. Sometimes late when things are real. America. Tin Man. 638. Here on your Friday morning. I love this song. Friday, everybody. Welcome back. You know, um, did mention that folks are trying to get out of here. Weather's really nice down in South Florida. We mentioned that story in today's New York Post. Packed plane. Nobody wearing a mask. I did say New York to Miami. And uh, Bernie correctly pointed out that was from Miami to New York. So my question to you, Bernard, is that a bunch of New Yorkers coming home? Because I can't imagine South Florida people are coming to New York City to visit. I, I really don't know what their, uh, where they lived, what their intention was. Uh, maybe they just got out of quarantine. I don't know what it is. But uh, I would imagine the, uh, the airlines have cut down their flights and no matter no matter what, that's what they do normally. They just cut down flights until they have uh, maximum or near maximum capacity, and that's what they did in this case. They told people, "Wait, wait, we got uh, okay. Now, now you get to go. We got a plane that's ninety five percent full. Now you can go." All right. But it's still 
I mean, it just looks, you know, in this in this age of, uh, and I hate the word, social distancing, to have people cramped together like that in a plane and none of them wearing masks. I don't know. It seems a little uh, seems a little counter uh, to what we're trying to do here today. I guess, uh, unless, you know, listen, I believe that the masks are, are a bit much. I believe that we've gone crazy in, in, and overreacted in this, both on a city, state, and federal level. I really do. So uh, I'm not all that horrified by that picture. I'd like to know if there's any way of knowing how many of those folks come back and get sick. Because what if none of them do? None of them. I mean, look, here are the facts. That's a good Thank you. But, you know, by the way, they did sh- they showed the movie Mad Max on the plane, too, adding to the uh, <laughs> to some of the uh, you outrage. Know, here are the facts. Go to today's New York Post. Look at the front cover. You know, when Jill was here before she was furloughed, every time some young person got sick, she was almost gleeful in telling us because you know, I wanted to prove a point. It's not just old people. It's not just people with pre-existing conditions. Well, the cover of today's New York Post begs to differ. And they give out a stat, 94%, 94% of the folks affected by corona have pre-existing conditions. It's exactly what we heard in the very beginning. And for some reason, they tried to change that narrative. I never did. No, nor should you have. Uh, you're right. Uh, 95, it's, it's, it's either elderly or and if they're not elderly, they have at least, from what I, I read that same thing, they have at least two comorbidities two comorbidities which means they either have diabetes or they have some kidney problem or they have uh you know heart or lung disease something like that it's all people that have problems in other words people who are vulnerable and those are the people who we have to try to protect isolate those people and let the rest go back to work right uh now there's a story here that uh, our owner great guy john casamatiti sent to me early this morning at four o'clock this morning what are you doing up you own the damn station but uh here's the title bernie something right up your rally city needs 500 million dollars for mandate to house homeless in hotels so bill de blasio and the council the new york city council those folks some uh, some guy named stephen levin uh, they want to spend a half a billion dollars, a half a billion dollars to house these uh, filthy homeless people who ruin the city every single day that for some reason folks out there feel the need to show compassion for. I can't stand them. And uh, Casamitidis actually sent me this, and he had a, um, a recommendation, a suggestion. He said, tell them to put up a tent at Rikers Island or Governor's Island. You'll spend $5 million doing that instead of half a billion dollars bending over backwards to please the homeless and you'll keep them uh isolated from us because we don't know what they have and plus uh they're they're harassing you all the time i said that myself that you put them on an island get round them up and put them on an island put right. them in any facility on an island out uh i don't care if it's hearts island or whatever the hell uh there's plenty of islands out in the long island sound where you can like as mr katsimatidi says you can put up a field tent with some cots and feed them uh, and leave them there, right. at least for the duration of this, because now they're the only people that are in the streets of Manhattan. And to put them in these hotels, you know, some of these healthcare workers are staying in hotels as well. They have to stay. They have to stay and deal with these people in those hotels. I mean, that ain't right. No, and not only that, but but eventually these hotels are going to reopen. So not only do the folks who are there now have to deal with these folks, but just think about uh, what's going to happen when they reopen to the general public. What will be laying around in these hotels from this vermin that stays there right now? <laughs> Hello, I would like to order room service, please. <laughs> 
It is amazing. Yeah. It, it, this city is so backwards, man. I mean, they they just want to take care of the homeless, these poor people. They're crazy. They're not bad people. And I always say this. The people that always say that are not the ones uh, like me on the one train every morning. They're not the ones like you and I in Penn Station every morning. And quite frankly, they're not the ones walking around 7th Avenue like we are every single day now. They're in their cushy homes in New Jersey or Rockland County. Wherever they are, they don't deal with these homeless because if you deal with these people every single day, and now it's become a big issue, they're the only folks left on the subway. If you deal with these people every single day, there is no way at this point you can be sympathetic. There's no way. Listen, who's to say they're going to stay in the hotel room? They're going to take, take sleep, they'll drink, they'll, cut, they'll leave the hotel room, wander around the streets, do whatever they normally do. They're half insane. Half of them are, you know, they have problems. They have uh, psychological problems. They're in, remember, the Thrive program was supposed to help them, the, the mentally ill homeless people, which constitutes the majority of the homeless people out there. They're not going to stay in their rooms. And to, to waste all that money, as like Mr. Katsimatidis said, put them in a, some, some hotel, which is very, very expensive, isolate them, put them in a place where you can treat them, feed them, and again, isolate them as well. You can, uh, you know, kill three birds with one stone yeah. by doing that. I mean, that makes, that's more, that's more money. Again, you talk about uh, Mitch McConnell saying he doesn't want to bail out these blue states. That's a blue state idea. That's blue state waste of money. That is waste, fraud, and abuse right there in a nutshell, putting the homeless in hotel rooms like that when there are other better options. Right. And again, you could save yourself like $490 million. Now, I wouldn't go to Governor's Island only because selfishly, you know, we used to live down on Hanover Square by Wall Street. You know this, Bernard. And they've got the ferries over there. We would take the ferries, me, Danielle, Avon, Gabe, to Dumbo, get a nice, uh, you know, slice of pizza at Patsy's or get some ice cream or go to the River Cafe. Well, they also went to Governor's Island. They still do those ferries. And they have beautiful uh, picnics there. It's a really, it's a gorgeous island. So I would try to keep them away from there. But Rikers Island, Hearts Island, those places sound good to me. And, and there are others. There are other islands. Believe me when I tell you. Yeah, there's plenty of room. Rikers is empty. You know, you can throw them in a cell and leave the cell door open if you don't want to say they're incarcerated. Leave the cell door open. Let them sleep on the cot in the cell or whatever it is. I mean, just... Do not put them in the – get them off the streets. You're not doing that by putting them in hotels in Midtown or throughout the five boroughs in, in residential neighborhoods, no matter what, – whatever it is. You're not getting them off the streets because they are going to take – they're going to sleep, and they'll go outside. They'll hit up the liquor store. They'll hit up people for money. They'll do what they do. They'll do what homeless people do. They're not, they're not rational. Again, they're mentally ill. Um, Shirlene McRae wasted all that money. No, none of them were treated. So putting them in hotel rooms, that is not the answer. That is stupid. That is a dumb idea. Now, Bill de Blasio, he has a lot of dumb ideas, but he's been going back and forth, our mayor with our governor, on this nursing home issue. Again, a lot of folks dying in these nursing homes. They, they send these folks back, and they die. And when Governor Andrew Cuomo was uh, hit with that a couple of days ago, he took zero responsibility, said, hey, that's not my responsibility, not my deal. <laughs> well, guess what? He doubled down on that again yesterday, Bernard. Here is Andrew Cuomo one saying, hey, folks, don't blame me. The nursing home is responsible for providing appropriate care. If they cannot provide that care, then they have to transfer the person to another facility. The state has very strict guidelines on privately run facilities. They get paid to take care of a resident. That resident, that patient must have 
a state-directed level of care. If they cannot provide that, they can't have the resident in their facility, period. Those are the rules. All right, so did Andrew Cuomo lay that out for you now? Do you feel better? Maybe it's not his fault? Do you think he's just talking out of his ass? Well, I think the latter, of course. But uh, the other day, he he not only shifted responsibility to, uh, he said, what he did was he said, I wasn't aware of that. I I don't know. Uh, Dr. Uh, I think it's Dr. Zucker, who is the health care commissioner. Yeah. You answer that question. And he said, yeah, yeah, we're sending a pe- uh, old people. And you cited a stat uh, just a couple of minutes ago. Uh, uh, 94% of the uh, of the uh, the people who were coronavirus are old people. And the policy was to send people to send these uh, old people with coronavirus back to a facility that houses old people. In, uh, and fully 25% of the deaths, fully 25% of the deaths in New York State were people who died in nursing homes. And it was because of that policy. Yeah. No, there's no question. And, and he may be right, right that if you can't handle them, send them somewhere else. But in the first place, you shouldn't have been sending them back to a facility where, you know, let's say, God forbid, his mother Matilda was in one of those nursing homes. And a hospital nearby sent... Uh, 10 coronavirus, elderly coronavirus patients back to that nursing home and his mother, Matilda, uh, caught the virus and died from it. I think he'd be pretty upset about it. He'd be very, very angry. You know, so you bring up Matilda and you bring up um, other folks and it does remind me of my dad. You know, one of the things about this show, I think that people really enjoy, Bernie, look, anybody can give you news and opinions and all this stuff that we do do, but uh, we've become like family for a lot of our listeners. If you go to our Facebook page, you see that overwhelming amount of people and beautiful messages to my dad the last couple of days. I read all of them. Keith Smolin's website, our website. Make a long story short, I've been FaceTiming my dad. You guys know, and Bernie knows, of course, that he was uh, very, very sick. He nearly died on the flight back from Florida to New York a couple of days ago. They had to rush him from JFK to Booth Memorial Hospital in Queens, where Tuesday was really touch and go. A very rough night Tuesday night, but thank God he's been improving. So yesterday, we FaceTime him again, as we do every day, and he's wearing a mask. And he had not been wearing a mask the last couple of days. So Danielle, she's pretty smart about this stuff. She goes, you're wearing a mask. Did they switch your room? And sure enough, my dad said, well, well, yes, they did. And we came to the conclusion, of course, that if they switched his room and he's wearing a mask, he must be with somebody else. And sure enough, just a couple of feet away, there was another patient oh. inside my oh. dad's room. Now, as soon as he got to Booth, Bernie, on Tuesday, the first thing they did once they got him stable was test him for COVID-19. My dad is 86. He came up negative on Tuesday, but now he's wearing a mask and he's got somebody else in his room. And that's relatively terrifying. That is terrifying. Hey, just, uh, you know, I mean, I think it was uh, Jean-Paul Sartre who talked about the hell of the other you want to be alone. You want to be in the room. The, the hell of the other. You're, you're no, no longer the center of attention in that room. You got somebody else. It just it just changes the whole dynamic. But the fact that somebody else might be carrying uh, the coronavirus and you're 86 years old, you're wearing a mask. Obviously, they they have that on their minds as well. That's pretty scary. Uh, and when is he? What, what is the uh, the prospect for him getting out of, uh, of the hospital and going back up to the uh, woods? Well, he won't be going back to the woods. He'd be he'd be transferred to Columbia Presbyterian, and uh, after that, he would be going back to the woods, but not our cushy home in White Lake Homes. He'd be going to some rehab somewhere between like Middletown and Monticello. Oh, uh, so he ain't going home anytime soon. But I'd like to get him out of this hospital, get him into the city. 
you know, to Columbia Presbyterian or something, one of those. But, you know, listen, he, he couldn't breathe on Tuesday. He turned blue coming home on the airplane. No, oh my now God. he's got a mask on. He's, he's got oxygen uh, in his nose and a mask on. Uh, and he, he, the breathing is, uh, those people are the most vulnerable. I mean, it's, it's awful. Yeah, you got to get him out of that hospital, man. Get him, get him, get him, get him to an upstate hospital where... Where the, the coronavirus is relatively uh, nil. Yeah, no, there's something going on up there. In fact, I think restaurants, and I know Susan Otto Graham, uh, uh, that's uh, Brown, excuse me. She listens every single day, and she's always sending me updates on what's going on upstate New York. Not nearly as bad as it is here in New York City. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Three great guests stopping by today. New Hall of Fame basketball announcer, a dear friend of the show, Mike Breen. Will the NBA be back soon? And that great Michael Jordan documentary. The second part of that series comes your way Sunday night on ESPN. All right, folks, Mike Breen, Ken Gibbs, and um, Rudy Giuliani are all going to stop by today. Again, NFL draft last night. Joe Burrow, Heisman Trophy winner, LSU, goes number one to Cincinnati. He'll be a star. Only question is, will he start this year? Will Andy Dalton be the starter? We'll find that out. Giants take the big offensive lineman out of Georgia, Andrew Thomas. He'll be blocking for Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. And the Jets take a big offensive lineman, Makai Becton, out of Louisville, he'll be blocking for Sam Donald. That was your NFL draft last night. And uh, we got some phone calls here, Bernie. You want to take some? Let's go. All right, let's, let's do it. To, let's do it. Let's go to uh, this guy is speaking all language. He's a bricklayer. That's all he's going to say. He's in Suffolk County. He's online two this morning. Good morning, Mr. Bricklayer. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Just a quick point. I really believe this has gotten way out of control. People have to rise up. Uh, we've lost our schools, we've closed our churches, we've closed our gyms, we've closed our restaurants. We're, we're smack stuck in our house. You know, this is complete control of Big Brother. We're, we're, we can self-regulate our behavior and control this without Big Brother telling us and dictating us every step of the way. When I went to my bagel shop, I got thrown out because I didn't have a mask. Yep. No, I know right. you, you got a bagel shop, and I, I went shopping with Danielle yesterday, and I got yelled at for not wearing a mask, and it really is, it's gross. And, and, and they'll tell you that if you don't wear a mask, Bernie, you're being insensitive. Look, it's, it's Orwellian. It really is. We've gotten to that point. Uh, we talked about this uh, the last couple of days. They're actually moving the goalposts. We flattened the curve. We slowed the spread. We did not overwhelm our hospital systems. No, they had they went we went through hell, but nobody that needed a bed went without a bed, an ICU patient or any patient for that matter. Uh, and the ships have gone home. The ships are leaving. If it, it hasn't left already, uh, the U.S. Uh, NS Comfort is leaving. And so now the uh, so we we did that, and they said that that's what you do, and then we'll talk about reopening. No, now we have to test everybody, and not only that, we have to contact trace everybody before we open up. They're going to assemble a massive army. And uh, how long is that going to take? That, that's, that's now the goalpost? That's the goal before we reopen? Yeah, no, it's time to, uh, it's time to we have to put our foot, feet down, our collective feet down, and maybe some protests in New York to get this Governor Cuomo. I think he's enjoying the attention too much of the cameras, and uh, that's why he's, uh, he's extending. And, of course, there's political undertones as well. Right. Don't listen to him. Uh, he's not, he's not St. Andrew Cuomo. There's politics involved in this as well. They want this, again, to hurt the president in November. There's no question about it. Well, some of us on the other side that were willing to give Andrew Cuomo credit a couple of weeks ago, whether it's you or me, my friend Corey, all of a sudden now that has turned around. I wonder 
if the libs, the Democrats, who are blind to all this stuff usually, but I wonder if some of the smarter ones, not the ones completely in the bag against Donald Trump, if they're starting to figure out that there must be some agenda, and there is some agenda for Governor Cuomo, because in one sentence he tells us things are getting better, and in the other he continues to make sure that people are out of work and the economy doesn't get any better. That's your girl, Sydney. That is my girl. Blake that's Shelton, right? That's who? No, no, it's uh, it's Blake Shelton's wife, right? Right. Uh, uh, she's married to the uh, lead singer of Bush. She's on The Voice. Her name is. Come on, Matt Meany. Come on, Bernie. What the hell's her name? I forget. The blonde. <laughs> that's right. Come on. They ain't no hollaback girl. That's exactly right. That's her. Ain't no hollaback girl. That's right. Gwen Stefani. There you go. Yeah, come on. I knew that can all I, the time. Can I ask you one question before you start your segment here? At the you top can of the ask hour? me anything you want to, Sydney. You got to help me here because I find myself oftentimes defending President Trump, and a lot of it is because of you. I'm the first. You know what's you. funny? Yeah. We barely mentioned his name in the first hour. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was all. Uh, it was Mitch McConnell. It was Governor Cuomo. Uh, Trump never uh, barely came up until I think the final minute of the hour. But that, anyway, go that's ahead. true. You're right. And, and one of the reasons why is because I, I still believe that people want local, and Cuomo's local. De Blasio's local. Who the Jets no, and no, Giants no, good. last I, I night is local. A, uh, yeah, it, no, it was I got great. You. And plus, it wasn't even that. I mean, McConnell is. Uh, that's a big deal. Getting money from the federal government. That's a. Uh, that's that's a hot topic. It is a huge story. That's a national story too. But I find myself again defending President Trump this morning. Now, here's where I need your help. I didn't watch the Corona Task Force meeting yesterday. I've watched less and less of that lately. I'm being completely honest. I know it's my job, but I just can't do it. So did President Trump actually say yesterday that you should uh, inject or at the very least uh, start to consume products like bleach in an effort to kill the COVID-19? Did he actually say that? Well, first of all, I must confess, I'm not sitting there watching for an hour and a half either. So I never heard that. I didn't read that. I don't know where you're seeing that. I've seen uh, that already on CNN and New York One moments ago with Pat Kiernan, where the president recommended yesterday a couple of drugs that have not yet been, you know, really um, effective. He mentioned sunlight, which that's true. Vitamin D, we talk about it all the time. And then he talked about possibly, again, this is what I'm hearing, injecting or consuming, like, household cleaning products in an effort to kill the COVID. I mean, listen, I, I would imagine uh, the, the, the sites that I visited, uh, the websites in, in uh, the preparation for the show, I would have came across that somewhere. I didn't see that anywhere. But uh, that doesn't mean it didn't happen because, I did, like, like you, I did not watch for the full hour and a half. Uh, but so we'll, we'll find out. We'll look into well, that. Well, somebody but, call uh, in 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. If you're seeing the same reports I'm seeing this morning, if you did watch that whole thing in its entirety last night, is this once again a media made-up story, or did the president actually intimate that that might be a good idea? Now, take it away, Bernard. Well, of course, the uh, good news was uh, yesterday they passed a House finally passed this uh, a relief bill, $484 billion. Uh, they all came back, uh, not they all, uh, a lot of the Congress, the majority of the congressmen uh, came back, uh, so they voted on it. Pelosi was, the, all the Democrats, by the way, wore masks. None of the Republicans wore masks. How do you like that for a uh, political divide? 
And uh, Pelosi actually took her mask off at one point, and then she wiped her nose with her finger and then wiped her finger on the podium. It was gross. That you will find on a lot of these websites. But they did pass that. That was good news. And also this antibody testing that you alluded to last hour uh, in New York, that uh, garnered us some good news, some good results from that, believe it or not. A lot of people have had corona, have been infected. Uh, it's counterintuitive to think of it as good news. But anyway, listen to Governor Cuomo on that. What we found so far is the statewide uh, number is 13.9% tested positive for having the antibodies. It means these are people who were infected and who developed the antibodies to fight the infection. If the infection rate is 13.9%, that would be about 0.5% death rate. Right, so that's a huge, a huge, and that's in New York, a five, a point, a half percent death rate, as opposed to the three to four percent that was initially projected um, about a month and a half ago. It slowly came down. Now it's down to 0.5 percent. This wasn't as big. This antibody test. Uh, the numbers aren't as large as was uh, uh, counted in the California test, the Stanford test and other tests, but it was still big. In New York City, fully 21% said 21% of people have had the coronavirus. One out of every five people you see have had it and survived the coronavirus. And on Long Island, that number is 17%. Westchester County, 12%. The rest of the state, 4%. So when he, when the governor talks about reopening and the state is uh, is really divided, uh, this particular state itself is fragmented in a big way. Uh, upstate New York really can reopen a lot quicker, obviously, than us down here. That was good news. And you mentioned the, the sunlight. The sunlight, uh, not only the sunlight, but the heat and humidity. Uh, they had this guy, he's from the Department of Homeland Security. But this guy, his name, the- is, his name is Bill Bryant, and this is the guy that President Trump was talking to yesterday. I've actually got confirmation that, yes, he talked to Bill Bryant about the sunlight. You're about to go there, Bernard. But he did actually intimate President Trump, uh, talking to Bill Bryant and others, that injecting stuff uh, like disinfectants into your body may be a good idea. That, that's been confirmed. Okay, well, this is Bill Bryant on the uh, the heat. Now, this is good news because uh, heat, humidity, sunlight, that's what we're looking at in the coming months. Uh, listen to what he said. The virus dies the quickest in the presence of direct sunlight under these conditions. And when you, when you look at that chart, look at the aerosol as you breathe it. You put it in a room, 70 to 75 degrees, 20% humidity, low humidity. Uh, it lasts, the half-life is about an hour. But you get outside and it cuts down to a minute and a half. That's great news. That's fantastic news for uh, what's coming here. Higher heat, humidity, and sun. UV light, by the way, said you, uh, Mr. Tanning Salon, they say the, the UV light is great in fighting the coronavirus. That's why, according to this guy. Why would they shut down tanning salons then? Well, that, 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 after last night, maybe they'll reconsider. I don't know. <laughs> but, that, but that happened. Now, listen, uh, back in February, the president said it was February 10th. He, he said the same thing that this guy, uh, Bill Bryant, said. This is him on February 10th. The heat, generally speaking, kills this kind of virus, so that would be a good thing. Uh, so there you go. Now, of course, uh, right after that, right after that, and maybe they're going to do the same thing with this bleach thing. i got to look this up. But uh, right after that, he made that comment on February 10th. The fake news people went at, at him, uh, listen to them, back on February 10th and 11th. One of the things the president has been saying is that, you know, by April, if the warmer weather comes, 
it, this may all just magically go away or, or miraculously go away. We've ha heard from the CDC and FDA officials on here. They are not confident that, that it's warm weather is going to rid the world of this. Health officials around the globe scramble to fight the deadly coronavirus. President Trump has a new plan. Wait for warmer weather. So there you go. They mocked him. It was funny. But apparently, according to this DHS guy, it's actually worked. Now, I haven't heard uh, confirmation from different sources, but I would imagine that they wouldn't put this guy out there if he didn't know what the hell he was talking about, making such a claim like that. And, uh, of course, it got contentious even yesterday, right after the, the guy made the claim and the president maybe talked about it a little. A reporter, one of the fake news reporters, this is him and the president going at it on heat and humidity and UV light, uh, perhaps uh, uh, killing the coronavirus. Is it dangerous for you to make people think they would be safe by going outside in the heat, considering that so many people are dying in Florida? The new headline is Trump asks people to go outside. That's dangerous. Here we go. Same old group. You're the president and people tuning into these briefings, they want to get information and guidance and want to know what to do. They're hey, not looking for rumors. I'm the president and you're fake news. I'm just here to present talent. I'm here to present ideas because we want ideas to get rid of this thing. And if heat is good and if sunlight is good, that's a great thing as far as I'm concerned. Now, so, look, they have used, uh, I looked this up, they have used UV light to fight uh, particularly tough strains of tuberculosis in the past. They actually put these UV uh, lamps in the, on the ceilings of restaurants and, and, and other public places uh, to kill germs. So it's been done before. These UV yeah, lamps have been true, done. True, they without, have been. I'm sorry? No, they have been done before, you're right, but there has been no scientific proof yet that with this specific virus this specific strain that warm weather will kill it that has been the case in most of others yes uh but i will say this just to kind of maybe even prove president trump uh, trump's point for him when that idiot reporter says there have been so many deaths in florida well that's just not true no i will i i mentioned this this morning uh, uh florida death rate per one hundred thousand four. in new york the the death rate per one hundred thousand eighty one. so I don't know. Maybe the heat is a, a factor, the heat and humidity, which is, it is obviously in Florida, especially South Florida now. Uh, it is a major factor, and maybe that's contributing to the low death rate as opposed to ours, which is, uh, you know, astronomical. Not crazy. All right, listen, Burn, we got three great guests stopping by in about an hour. He's going to the Hall of Fame this summer. Nick announcer, ESPN basketball announcer, and uh, loving that Michael Jordan documentary, uh, parts three and four coming out Sunday night. The great Mike Breen will be here, as well as Mayor Rudy Giuliani, and the CEO of Maimonides Hospital, Ken Gibbs, all stopping by. Plus, the phones are on fire. Oh, good tune. I was confused. This is Luke Bryan or Jason Aldean. I get it's Aldean, right? Who, you know, it's funny. On my Facebook memory, I've forgotten about this. Bernie, you remember. On my Facebook memory, it popped up that two years ago, on my birthday, April 19th, there's a photo of me and this guy singing Jason Aldean, ah. stage 17. <laughs> when we used to have the country you, music station here on right. WPL, he actually performed on stage 17 on my birthday. Yeah. And, and by the way, yeah, no, I, that year, I he won, that. for the third consecutive year that year, Bernard, he won Entertainer of the Year at the Country Music Awards. Yeah, well, he's huge, and he was, he was a nice guy. I remember that day you went there and got the, the picture taken with him. Uh, and he was also the guy that uh, was performing, I believe, 
uh, during the massacre. No, was that was he Luke Bryan. That was Luke Bryan. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I get it mixed up, too. Yeah, in Vegas, 57 Is that people. racist to get it mixed up like that? Um, no, because they're white. Oh, okay. And the saying then is... we're good. Like, right, not all white people look the same. So it's uh, 728 here on your Friday morning. Mike Breen coming up, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, and the CEO of Maimonides Hospital, Ken Gibbs. Let's grab this call. I mentioned the fact that President Trump may have intimated yesterday that uh, injecting yourself with, like, household products may not be a bad idea to kill the COVID. Here's uh, Bob and West Islip to clear that up on line three. Good morning, Bob. Hey, what's happening, Sid? How you doing, pal? Uh, so, yeah, so it's typical. This is what they do. You know what CNN does? Trump did, he, he, I watched the whole thing. I watched, I listened to every word. So the, the doctor was saying how, you know, which different products will kill this virus on the spot. Isopropyl alcohol, a couple other things. All Trump said was, well, maybe you guys can figure out a way to get that in there and, you know, and zap it. You know what I mean? We know he says stupid things sometimes because he should have realized right there they were going to take that and run with it, you know, and say, yeah. he's telling the no, he was spit- to drink alcohol. We, anyone who's got a half a brain knows that's not what he's intending to, you know, to say. But they'll, you know, CNN will take it and just twist it and turn it and make it so. Well, here, here's the quote. Here's the exact quote. Uh, uh, and he, of course, as you point out, he was spitballing. He, he, he says, I see the disinfectant that knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And then he asked the doctor, and is there a way we can do something like that by injection inside or almost a cleaning? Mm. Because you see it gets inside the lungs, and it does a tremendous number on the lungs. So it would be interesting to check that. That's, okay. the, uh, that's the entire quote. There you go. So once again, find myself defending President Trump this morning over something that I shouldn't and he shouldn't have to defend himself over. I mean, it's still kind of odd to use that type of language, but it doesn't seem like he said, go out there and, you know, buy Clorox and shoot yourself. I, uh, no, I mean, the, uh, you have the quote right there. You, uh, Hips don't lie, bro. And not, neither do quotes. All right. Uh, you were right, by the way, Bernard. Nice call. It was Jason Aldean, not Luke Bryan up on stage. When, in fact, Stephen Paddock took aim and murdered 57 folks at that concert in Las Vegas a couple of years ago. So good job by you. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Phones are hopping. NFL draft, round one last night. You'll get rounds two and three coming up tonight, 7 o'clock ESPN, rounds four through seven coming up tomorrow, ESPN. Three great guests, including Hall of Famer Mike Breen. Will the NBA be back? And that, yes, and that great Michael Jordan documentary, parts three and four, come your way 9 o'clock this Sunday night on ESPN. Bernie and Sid on a Friday. Yeah! <laughs> Happy Friday, New York. That's right. It is Friday. Whether you're working, whether you're not working, it is Friday. It's Friday in the springtime. Two nice, uh, usually a nice combination, but uh, these are different times. I'm feeling it. Hey, listen, uh, we talked about this earlier. Back on the Bernie and Sid Show, heard everywhere on the 77 WABC app. Uh, the state of Georgia, Sydney, reopens today. Uh, everything, gyms, barbershops, uh, hair salons, uh, you name it, the nail salons, they open today. Tanning uh, salons, the state of Georgia, and uh, that's a big deal. Uh, they're going to dip their toe, so to speak, and everybody, all eyes will be on Georgia uh, look, the president last night, he once again doubled down. He was criticizing the uh, uh, gov- governor 
of Georgia. Brian Kemp, listen to him. I want the states to open more than he does, much more than he does. But I didn't like to see spas at this early stage, nor did the doctors. I didn't like to see a lot of things happening, and I wasn't happy with it. And I wasn't happy with Brian Kemp. Are you surprised he defied you on that? No, you he didn't. He, no, he didn't defy me at all. That's your language. He didn't defy me. You know what happened? I said, you make your own decision. You're not in the guidelines, but I'm letting you make your own decision. But I want people to be safe, and I want the people in Georgia to be safe. And I don't want this thing to flare up because you're deciding to do something that is not in the guidelines. And I could have stopped him. I told him very distinctly. I said, you do what you think is best. But if you ask me, am I happy about it? I'm not happy about it. Man, <laughs> this guy is this guy is on the hook big time. He could be the, the, the he could be the American hero or he could be uh, uh, the, the political pariah of the decade. Or, or uh, neither, this uh, Brian Kemp. Or, or maybe he'll just, you know, be neither because the liberal media today is pounding Donald Trump that he was the guy that was enthusiastic and wanted wanted this governor to do what he did and now that he's done it now he's upset that is that is the narrative coming from the left that he, uh, but the president was encouraging this uh, governor to do that yes and wanted him to do it and was happy he was going to do it but now that he's doing it based upon the social pressure I guess the Fauci and Burke's pressure Donald Trump is singing a different tune than what they think he really feels well uh, Matt Meany if anybody can find it, Matt Meany, find any audio of the president encouraging the governor of Georgia to reopen. He sounded pretty adamant last night. Maybe you're right. I have no idea. But I will say this. The country of Sweden, the country of Sweden, they never locked down. They never locked down. They're open. And they fared better than uh, countries, other countries in Europe. Not all of them, but countries like Belgium, France, Spain, Italy. They had, uh, I'll give you a statistic from Johns Hopkins, Sweden, never locked down, which is what Georgia essentially is going to do. They haven't even reached their peak, Georgia, according to uh, the projections. But Sweden, uh, per million, 198 deaths. Now, in Italy, uh, per million, it was 422 deaths. And in Spain, 474. France, 326 deaths per million. And Belgium, 568 deaths per million. All four of those countries locked down big time. And Sweden did not, and they only have 198 deaths per million. And compare Sweden to, say, the it's comparable, the state of Michigan, the same population. 10 million people in Sweden, 10 million people in the state of Michigan. And, of course, Michigan has some of the most draconian uh, lockdown measures. Uh, people were actually, as you know, protesting in the streets against this Governor Whitmer. And uh, the deaths in Michigan, almost 3,000, 2,977 uh, with 35,000 cases. They have 10 million people. Sweden, the same amount of people, only 2,021 uh, deaths compared to the 2,977 and uh, they do have 16,000 cases uh, as compared to uh, Michigan's 35,000 cases. Now, remember, Michigan went exactly the other way. Sweden never locked down. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens in Georgia. But the good news about that, for example, with Sweden, is that this herd immunity that we talked about, uh, that's what they're counting on. Uh, it's supposed to kick in in about two weeks that they will be reach the stage where they can say we have herd immunity. In other words, uh, the disease the disease will not spread any longer. There's enough people who have survived, who have gotten the disease, survived it, 
and we can continue our lives as we did before, which they're doing now anyway, but they will have herd immunity. And that's why these antibody tests, which were conducted here in New York State, Sid, uh, uh, the governor talked about it yesterday, and you have uh, a lot of people, one in five people in New York, yeah have gotten coronavirus and survived it. One in five. They did these tests randomly uh, right outside grocery stores and, you know, the big Target stores and all that stuff. Yeah, they, they did say uh, 21%, which is basically one in five, a little more, but 21%. How many people were involved in that, in that sample? Do you know? Yeah, 3,000. 3,000. It's a, a relatively small sample, but... Uh, that's that was the number. Long Island, 17 percent. Westchester, 12 percent. And the rest of the state, as I mentioned earlier this morning, 4 percent. So uh, you, and they still really don't know if, you know, you're, you're immune for sure that if you're immune uh, for or for how long you're going to be immune. They think you are, but they don't know that. They, again, a lot of questions to be answered. But the antibody test showing that many, many people, more people have had it 10 times more than previously thought. Be, uh, as a result of this antibody test, and we can only hope. I mean, again, uh, like like I said, you can't wait for this. Uh, you know, they keep moving the goalposts. We have slowed the spread. We have flattened the curve. We did not overwhelm the hospitals. The hospitals went through hell. Don't get me wrong, but uh, they, they were not overwhelmed. Everybody that needed a bed got a bed. The hospital ship has left. I believe it's left already. E- either that, or it's going to leave this weekend. The USNS Comfort. Uh, it's leaving. So we already did what they asked us to do. Yet the governor is slow rolling the reopening. He now wants to do this. You have to test everybody in the state, and we're going to do this contact tracing. We're going to contact. Uh, uh, have a contact tracing army, which is going to take forever. I mean, that's moving the goalposts, if you ask me. I don't I, look. I, I if you have these people that all these people that have survived the coronavirus, apparently it's not as deadly. That's the, uh, the the weird thing, that the more people that have it, it's good news. It's sort of counterintuitive, again, to use a $3 word, but it means that the, the death rate is much lower. Now the death rate in New York State is uh, 0.5%, based on these numbers, a half a percent. Uh, the flu, by the way, is 0.1%. Uh, that, so these, uh, these numbers that uh, we, we don't know how accurate they are, but Anyway, 0.5% is the death rate. But the other good news about it is that these people's blood plasma can be used to cure other people. So there's a lot of good ramifications from this antibody study. But uh, I, I don't know. You, again, you look at Sweden and you, look, uh, you, you have high hopes for Georgia. At least I do. Uh, but it could go the other way. I mean, if there's some big spike down there. Oh, no, then we're finished. The right, then we're dead. I mean, you got to hope Georgia. That's a great uh, point out of you. Keep your eye on Atlanta. And then, uh, now what about Carolyn Goodman in Las Vegas? When is she <laughs> yeah. reopening the strip? Is that is that this week, too? Well, and, yeah, I don't think so because I believe the Georgia, I mean, the, the Nevada governor supersedes any authority she has. She desperately wants to do it. But I don't think she has the authority. He says the governor in Nevada says, no, no, we're not doing it. So uh, so in any case, uh, we're going to see. We're going to find out soon with Georgia. That's going to be our our test case right there. Let us, uh, Sydney, go to uh, Victor in New Jersey. Victor, good morning to you. You're on the Bernie and Sid show. You guys are the best. Thank you, Vic. Except for five, Bernie. I tried calling you actually probably like three weeks ago. And it's funny because I'm a central personnel. I'm working down, working down, and in, in contact with a lot of people. And I'm in pretty good shape. I'm 61 years old. Um, and what happened was about six months ago, I bought uh, it was triple strength apple cider vinegar capsules to burn fat. 
I mean, that was the bottom line. So about three weeks ago, I said to my daughter, who's an RN, I said, you know what? I've been in contact with a lot of people. I says, and I'm not sick. I says, check this out. So she looked it all up, and what she found was, was that these viruses can't survive in a high alkali environment. And that's what the cider vinegar right. tablets are. Right, that makes sense. That's why, Victor, thank you. They, they tell you to buy the uh, soap, the disinfectant soap. Uh, nothing to do with bacteria. It's all about make sure they have at least 60% alcohol content because that does uh, kill the virus. You know, one thing, Bern, talking about getting these cities reopened, Georgia, Las Vegas, the state of Georgia, Las Vegas. You know, yesterday, last night, the holiday Ramadan started, the most religious uh, period of time for the Muslim community. And we yep. have more Muslims here than anybody. And that is one of those holidays where Muslim folks get together in mosques, get together as families. And uh, they basically go nuts. Now, we had our buddy Johnny Sack on yesterday, Vin Curatola, and he was tweeting. He was tweeting the governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, yesterday saying, hey, Phil, are you going to stop the Muslims from getting together on Ramadan? Because we ought to shut it down for Passover. We ought to shut it down for Easter. I guess there's a lot of folks in this country that believe the Muslims are not going to follow the protocol and during <laughs> Ramadan do what they want. You see, if the governor enforced it, that would be racist. Uh, look, uh, I know we have, I think, we, is Francis on the phone there? Yes. Let's say, Francis, I think he has some information on whether or not the governor of New Jersey is enforcing uh, this, uh, this, this policy uniformly against on churches, synagogues, yeah. and mosques. Francis Correct. in New Jersey, tell us what you know. Well, I, I actually don't know anything, but I, I just was curious. I haven't heard it mentioned on even conservative news precincts, you know. I haven't heard it mentioned at all. Well, you, and, heard it, you, uh, heard it, you heard it mentioned here just now because we, we're the best. We do everything. Yes. That's right. Yes, she <laughs> yes, did. So I guess someone, you know, either yourself or, or someone you said maybe tweeted. Yeah, no, not, not someone. One of the guests we had on yesterday, the guy that played the New York crime boss in The Sopranos, he can't stand Phil Murphy, Francis, in New Jersey. And he was asking Phil Murphy on Twitter yesterday, are you going to shut down the Muslims like you did the Christians and the Jews? Ah, so, so I guess we're waiting for an answer from the governor? I guess so. <laughs> Good yeah, luck. We, we haven't heard. I mean, they, they came down hard on uh, uh, Jews and Christians and, and their gatherings and stuff. But yeah, you're right. Silence when it comes to the moths because they're all on the you know they're walking on eggshells lest they get accused of uh, some sort of a by say some sort of racism or, or whatever the hell you I mean it's it's by the way it's a religion right how's that racism I don't know uh, listen I want to go out with this uh, the governor slow rolling the reopening of the uh, state and all the other governors as well they're moving the goalposts but uh, so when is this uh, all going to end well you know who knows best Alexa knows best. Alexa, of course, knows everything. Let's ask Alexa about it all. Alexa, how long will the coronavirus last? The virus itself may last only two more weeks or so, but the faction known as the Democrat Party will continue to make it last psychologically for at least six more months. Their motivation is to thoroughly ruin the economy and blame our great President Trump for it. They are trying to stop his inevitable re-election by any surreptitious means possible. It is well known that people who do not suffer from TDS are too smart for this hoax and will not allow it to go beyond four more weeks. The lazy Americans with TDS will continue to milk the government for more money and time off from work confusing it with being their sugar daddy. We can agree that not longer than four to six weeks in America will be back online. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is great. 
with the fourth pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Andrew Thomas, tackle, Georgia. With the 11th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Makai Becton, tackle, Louisville. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show, 808, Friday morning, second half, hour number three. I've got some great guys stopping by, including Hall of Famer Mike Breen, stopping by in about 13 minutes. Will the NBA be back anytime soon? How about that great Michael Jordan documentary on ESPN? The next two parts, parts three and four, come your way on Sunday night. It's a five-week series, ten parts in all. Mayor Rudy Giuliani will be here, and the CEO of Maimonides Hospital, Ken Gibbs, great guy, he, uh, he'll be here too. You heard Roger Goodell there last night in his basement in Bronxville in Westchester. The NFL commissioner announcing... The, uh, the picks by the Giants, they get the big tackle out of Georgia to help block for quarterback Daniel Jones and running back Saquon Barkley. And the Jets, they get the big offensive lineman out of Louisville to help protect Sam Donald. A few other worth mentioning, Joe Burrow, he won the Heisman last year, great quarterback out of LSU. He goes to Cincinnati at number one. Chase Young, an amazing defensive lineman out of Ohio State. He goes number two to the Washington Redskins. And the Dolphins down in Miami got themselves a quarterback they wanted, and that is Tua out of Alabama. So that was a a big story last night, the NFL draft, once again, virtual. Not many many, um, issues with the virtual draft last night, but it was funny. There was only one guy, only one of all the GMs and coaches all at home, all the players all at home, Roger Goodell, the commissioner at home, only one person wearing a mask in his own house, and that was in New Jersey, Giants GM Bernard, Dave Gettleman. (laughs) Dave yeah, I'm listening. They're terrified of this uh, tyrant, Governor uh, Murphy in New Jersey. They're terrified. Everybody's terrified. He'll he'll arrest you if you're walking, uh, you know, on a trail in some uh, zero populated uh, woods or whatever the hell. He'll 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 lock your ass up if you're on the beach and you're by yourself. So uh, Gettleman did the right thing if he wanted to stay out of, uh, uh, you know, uh, what is it? What what's the big jail? Uh, in, Rollway? Rollway, yeah. yeah. You want to stay at a rollway? You better wear a mask. <laughs> right. He did have an IT guy in his house. So we said, look, I had somebody else here. I did practice social distancing, but there was a young IT guy here. So uh, that's why he wore the mask. <laughs> Maybe he's an ugly guy, too. I don't even know. Well, he's, he not all that, no, he's not handsome. <laughs> well, then he did the right thing. <laughs> right. Uh, that was uh, round one last night. Rounds two and three come your way tonight, 7 o'clock ESPN, and rounds four through seven tomorrow saturday on espn you know it's funny i got a text here from from my wife she goes did this moron it's unbelievable i said you must be watching that idiot pat kiernan on new york one she goes no i'm watching another channel doesn't matter what channel she's watching because we know that whether it's two four five or seven they're going to twist the words but she actually did say did this moron actually say last night that it's a good idea to inject yourself with some of these um you know surface cleaning products and and all that type of thing and and he didn't really do that, I guess. He, he asked a question to Bill Bryant, whether or not they can come up with something that would work because those products seem to work on surfaces. He didn't really say inject like bleach into your body. He didn't say that. Well, I'll tell you exactly what he said, Sidney. <clears throat> he said uh, they were talking, of course, about the disinfectants that can kill the coronavirus on surfaces and in the air, all that stuff. 
And then he said to the doctor, the doctor was actually talking about it. After having talked about how the sunlight, heat, humidity, sunlight, UV light inside can kill the coronavirus. They were talking about all this stuff. But in this case, disinfectants. And then Trump says, I see the disinfectant that knocks it out in a minute. One minute. And then he says to the doc, and is there a way we can do something like that by injection inside or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets inside the lungs and it does a tremendous number on the lungs. So it would be interesting to check that. That's yeah. it. I mean, End, it was, end of statement. It was a little odd, but it wasn't, he wasn't telling you. To, he wasn't recommending. I mean, Pat Keenan has said all morning long on New York One. I've now seen it twice. <laughs> President surprise, says go surprise. inject yourself. I know. I know. It's ridiculous. So that's one of the big stories. The other, of course, every day is Governor Andrew Cuomo going back and forth on the nursing home scandal with uh, Bill de Blasio. De Blasio basically saying he doesn't believe Andrew Cuomo. You and I have said we don't believe Andrew Cuomo. Uh, but here he is again yesterday doubling down. This is one, I guess, Matt, on how the nursing home issue is not really his responsibility. The nursing home is responsible for providing appropriate care. If they cannot provide that care, then they have to transfer the person to another facility. The state has very strict guidelines on privately run facilities. They get paid to take care of a resident. That resident, that patient must have a state-directed level of care. If they cannot provide that, they can't have the resident in their facility, period. Those are the rules. Now, those are the rules from the governor. But, Bernard, here's the mayor, Bill de Blasio, kind of going back at Governor Cuomo. By the organizational chart, the state of New York uh, is responsible for nursing homes, for regulating them, for ensuring they're doing their job. These are overwhelmingly private, profit, you know, for-profit facilities. And obviously, they have to bear responsibility for whether they're doing everything to serve their patients, their clients, or not. So the way I look at it is whatever is supposed to be um, each responsibility of each level of government and of the private owners of the nursing homes and everybody, the most important thing here is to save lives. Well, let's go. I want to get to the break here relatively quickly to give Mike Breen well, as much time say, as possible. What's your, what's your thoughts say on this. that? Yeah. Uh, uh, very quickly is that uh, the uh, fully 25% of the deaths in New York State occurred in nursing homes after the governor said to the hospitals, send these uh, old people with coronavirus back to the nursing homes. Now, if his mother, Matilda, was in one of the nursing homes and some other authority said, send these sick patients back to where the people are really, really, really vulnerable, the elderly, and his mother, God forbid, passed away because of it, I think he'd be pretty angry. No question about it. Sticking with Andrew Cuomo, the other battle, of course, is with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. McConnell basically saying we're not going to allow these governors of these blue states to hold the government up for ransom. They want more and more money. They, they uh, should only get the money for COVID-19. He really was specifically, I think, talking about Andrew Cuomo, but he did mention blue states in general. And Cuomo says that to, uh, to allow states like mine to go bankrupt, when in fact uh, states like Kentucky actually benefit he goes, from my state, from New York, oh, those states actually benefit from me. So he said it was the dumbest idea he's ever heard. What about this battle, Bernard, between McConnell and Cuomo? Well, listen, uh, I'm a New Yorker. <clears throat> I want all the money we can get back from the federal government. But uh, McConnell's point is clear. You have a governor, these Democrats, I mean, they just spend wildly. They spend on stupid things like the governor uh, b- b- blew a billion dollars <clears throat> 
on a solar panel factory that never came to fruition. It was filled with corruption. So there's waste, fraud, and abuse. Pension plans, overly generous pension plans that they dole out. Excuse me. All this waste, fraud, and abuse again. College tuition for illegal uh, immigrants. Health care for illegal immigrants. All these things. And the taxes are, are the highest in the nation. Uh, so people are fleeing, therefore revenues going down. So they're responsible. Before the coronavirus epidemic, we were six billion dollars in the hole. New York State was, and the, what the governor wants to, what the, some of these blue states, the liberal governors, Connecticut, uh, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, Michigan, California, what they want to do is use the coronavirus as some cover to get some money to fix their fiscal mess. Now, look, we should get money from the federal government for the MTA, for the police departments, and other things that are coronavirus related. But not to generally uh, bail out. I, I see McConnell's point that the United States taxpayers shouldn't have have to bail out the irresponsibility of a guy like Governor Cuomo. Agreed. And New York State taxpayers should have to pay half a billion dollars to house homeless people in hotels. When, right. Uh, There's another one. Right. As John Casamitidi said, put a tent up on Rikers Island for five yeah. million. You'll save four hundred ninety-five million dollars and leave those folks over there. He's exactly right. Now, coming up next, Hall of Famer. Uh, will the NBA be back anytime soon? Soon, uh, the season is about 60-plus games in. Also talking about this unbelievable Michael Jordan documentary. Averaged over 6 million viewers the first two episodes last Sunday night. This Sunday at 9, episodes 3 and 4. And basically, how our dear buddy is doing. Everybody loves Mike Breen. He joins the Mikey. Bernie and Sid show next. Salisbury Hill. What a great song, Peter Gabriel. There's another Breeny favorite right there with Aqualung by Jethro Tull. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I don't think it rates as high as Aqualung. I don't think so either, but uh, according to Meany, this is one of Breeny's favorites. Anyway, it was announced. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was announced not that long ago that Mike Breen is heading to the James Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. So well deserved. Tremendous announcer for the New York Knicks and the NBA in general. All the big games are leading the way with Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. Longtime dear friend of Bernard's and mine as well. All those great years on I Miss. So we can be happier for the really the nicest guy, I think we both agree, in this business. And he's hopping on today to tell us how he's doing these days. The great Mike, the Hall of Famer, H-O-F, Mike Breen. How about that, Mike? Your name will now be preceded by H-O-F. How about that? Oh, stop. <laughs> Listen, you, you can tell a lot about a radio show by their music, their bumper music. And you guys just impressed me with that. That's, <laughs> that's perfect. Now, I do want to say something, um, and, and I mean this. Now, we're, we've all been friends for a long, long time, but I say this objectively as a radio listener, you guys have been such a great comfort during all this stuff. Every morning, the different angles that you take, the fun that you can still have, it has been a great comfort to wake up in the morning and hear you guys every day. Wow. That is very sweet of you, uh, Mikey. Thank you for saying that. And, uh, well, I, I don't know. You're making us blush. You're making me blush. You can't tell with Sid because of the tan. But uh, I'm turning red right now. But, look, let me just say this. Congratulations, uh, yes, sincerely on that Hall of Fame award. I mean, nobody deserves it more than you. You are the preeminent voice at the NBA. You got you and uh, Van Gundy, as uh, Sid just pointed out. And Mark Jackson, a terrific, you could, a boring game you can sit and watch, and the banter between th- you three guys is fantastic. But anyway, Mike, during this uh, horrific uh, pandemic, of course the NBA shut, everything is shut down. I mean, Sid and I, <clears throat> Sid is now at Penn Station right now, your beloved Madison Square Garden. 
uh, your home, or maybe I don't even know where you are. You could be in a bunker somewhere in Idaho. I don't know where you're calling from. <laughs> but uh, how are you faring during this uh, whole pandemic? Well, I am at a bunker in Idaho. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm in my home in Long Island uh, with my wife and, and two of my adult children. And, you know, we're doing fine. We're, we're, we're blessed that we're healthy. Uh, like everybody else, we're hunkered down and, um, uh, you know, just praying that, that the tide will turn. It seems like it's starting to turn. So hopefully we can back to some kind of normalcy. But, you know, we're doing what everybody else is doing here. Uh, getting actually wonderful family time that you never thought you'd have. Um, so that's been that's been terrific. Yeah. Uh, trying to exercise, uh, <laughs> watching TV shows, watching movies, doing a lot of reading, following what's going on, but not trying to get uh, crazed about it. So, um, you know, like everyone else, just trying to do our part. Well, listen, you've got a beautiful family. Your wife is a lovely, lovely lady. You're a great guy. So, of course, we wish you the best. But in terms of business, Mike, you know, the NBA was 60-plus games in. Milwaukee having a great year. LeBron and the Lakers having a great year. And it's kind of gone away. And I'm surprised by the amount of sports fans I speak to, Mike. That, listen, they want sports back. But, you know, talking about hockey coming back in July, NBA maybe July. At that point, they've been off for three months. Doesn't seem practical. No, that's a good point in terms of the layoff, uh, Sid, because that's, you know, that's something that these athletes are not used to. But uh, the NBA has, I, I know that they've made it a priority in terms of uh, they're not going to let the players come back and just throw them right into games. Uh, the, the plan that they hope to do, and again, everything is, is up in the air, and, and they're not making any more decisions or any more speculations until May 1st. But the plan is to have a real, like, three- to four-week uh, time period where the teams gather together. They get conditioning going. They have a training camp. They get a couple of, perhaps, exhibition games, uh, play some regular season games. So they're not going to take a chance of having guys get injured because of this long layoff. They've really uh, done their homework and their due diligence in terms of making sure that once the, the games start again, that the players are in, in the proper conditioning and shape. So you mentioned May 1st, Mike, getting the teams together, exhibition games. What, what, I mean, is, is June a possibility or a probability perhaps uh, to see some actual NBA games without fans on TV? You know, uh, Bernard, it's, nobody knows. Um, the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, and, and I've said this several times, um, it, 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 if you're an NBA fan, you've got to feel so good about that, that this is the man that is leading your league through this time because he has been, he's been such an incredible leader throughout. And when I say May 1st, that's, said, that's the next time he was going to even discuss any kind of thoughts that what the league is doing because he uh -huh. knows right now nobody knows. Um, yeah. It's impossible to speculate. So when I say May 1st of maybe starting things, no, it's May 1st where he's going to maybe discuss again what the possibilities are. But um, could it be May 1st? Could it be June 1st? Could it be July 1st? Nobody knows right now. They're just, they really want for two reasons. Number one, and I think you guys feel the same way, um, to get sports back in. Sports is, is, is such a great unifier. Uh, it's something we can celebrate and enjoy. And I think it's important to get sports back into the country to get people feeling normal again. So that's number one. And number two, they, they want to have a season where they crown a champion. And, right. and, you know, normally the champion's crowned in mid-June. If it's crowned in August or even September, that's, that's okay uh, because these are, these are drastic times, unprecedented times. So sometimes you have to adjust. 
You know, it's funny. I'm this rabid sports fan. I spent most of my career before this dream job with Bernard, as you know, Mike, very well doing sports. I may be one of the very few people that I'm not looking forward to some of these seasons coming back the way they're going to come back. Like, I need, I like to see fans in, in the stadiums and arenas. And I got to tell you, putting all my playoff teams in one city, which is what they're discussing in Las Vegas, Nevada, or wherever it may be in Arizona, who knows, uh, doesn't really sound appealing to me. I mean, I want the home, the, the winning team to host games in their own city. So I'd be one of the, I may be one of the very few, Mike, that the way they're talking about bringing back sports, I'd almost rather wait till next year. Well, you know, other people might feel the same way as, as well because it's, you know, part of it is the roar of the crowd, the adrenaline that right. comes from the crowd. I, I get that. But um, for me and for a lot of people, they just want to see these great athletes play and, and they just want to see games again. And that's the way I feel. I, I think, you know, uh, once you start playing again and once you start seeing these games go on and competitive and a game that goes down to the wire, you know, whether or not there's a crowd there or not, I think you're still going to be, if you're a basketball fan, you're going to go nuts if, if you're watching down the stretch of a game, Kawhi Leonard trying to guard LeBron James. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be wonderful. And the other thing, too, one of the things the leagues have to do is, all right, so in these games, say they do come back and they are playing. Do they pump in the music that, that is, accompanies every NBA game? Do they even pump in some crowd noise to give it some ambiance? Because it would sound, obviously, very sterile if there's no noise. Um, so there are a lot of decisions to be made, not just playing the games, but the presentation of the games. So that could change to make it a little bit more bearable in terms of a little more to, to normal of what we've, what we've come to expect. Is Barney there? Oh, where's Barney? All right, well, I'll stick with you, Mike. Then uh, talking, of course, the Hall of Famer, Mike Breen. You know, you mentioned Adam Silver, and Adam certainly is doing a terrific, terrific job. But I got to tell you, watching that Michael Jordan documentary, Mike, last Sunday, ESPN, it was the first two episodes, episodes three and four coming up this Sunday. That was my favorite era of basketball. It just was Jordan, Isaiah, Magic, Bird, Patrick, all those guys. And uh, a lot of David Stern in that, and I think we all kind of forgot that David Stern passed away right about the same time that Kobe Bryant was tragically killed a couple of months ago, and you talk about Adam Silver doing a great job. David Stern may be, may be one of the greatest commissioners in the history of any sport. Yeah, you know, Sid, it's, it has actually been, <clears throat> even though the games uh, have been uh, terrific and, and you know, the, the way the story of the season unfolded had a chance to be so exciting. It's been a really difficult year um, because David Stern was, you know, he's omnipresent. And I've, I've said this a number of times, anybody who has ever made any kind of a living off the NBA could never, ever uh, possibly or uh, the right way uh, be grateful to David Stern for, for, for what he did for all of us. I mean, it's incredible his vision and what he, he built this league into. So that's, there's no question about that. And, and I think that Adam Silver, he's learned so much from David Stern and working for him for so many years, and he has his own style of management. Um, it's been a great transition going through. But, but it's been really hard because, you know, he was, he was a big part of it and, and, and is one responsible for going so global. Um, so like I said, it's been, it's, been a, it's been a rough year in a lot of ways for the league. By the way, I agree with you, Mike. Uh, look, it won't be, to Sid's point, it's not going to be the same, but it would be a semblance of normalcy to bring back some of these games without the th crowds. I mean, it, you know, just to watch them, it would be a morale booster at the very least, and not perfect by any means. But, for example, last night, 
uh, with the draft. That was great to see. I'm not even. I don't even care. I never watched the draft in my life, but I watched last night because it was something different. It was an indication that yes, at some point we're going to get back to normal. And speaking of the draft, you're a big Giants fan. Were you happy with the picks? Well, I don't follow the the college football um, well enough to know if it was a good pick or a bad pick, but I was thrilled <laughs> that they got an offensive lineman. Right. Because I remember when I, when I did the NFL years ago, you know, coaches would always say, one of the things they would always say, yeah, you could have the best running back, you could have the best quarterback, but if you don't have an offensive line, you've got no shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look back at some of the great, for me, some of the great giant teams, um, the the similarity in a lot of those great giant teams where they always had a great offensive line, so it, it, it's a critical need for that team. No doubt, you're it, all about yeah, protection, Mike. Protection. There, yeah. The Jets took alignment too, and I remember the days, Mikey, when I would see you. Forget about the NFL on Long Island doing the New Jersey Dragon games, arena football. <laughs> That's how much football you actually used to do on television before you became the Mister NBA. One more thing on that Jordan piece on Sunday. It'll be back this week. The last time I mentioned David Stern. You know, I didn't really know. Mike, to be honest, just how much Jerry Krause and Phil Jackson hated each other. I really had no idea that at Scottie Pippen's height of his game, when he may have been the second or third best player in the NBA, he was the sixth highest paid Chicago Bull and the 122nd highest NBA player. So I learned a lot of stuff last Sunday night. Did you enjoy that? Oh, it was it was fantastic. Uh, it just riveted for two hours. If they told us that they were going to play all ten hours straight on Sunday, I would have stayed up until nine o'clock Me the next too. morning. <laughs> and I can't I can't wait for this Sunday. You know, somebody asked me, "Oh, did they send it to you ahead of time?" As, as somebody who works for ESPN. And at first I was like, oh, I wish I had it. But now I'm not, because it gives me something to look forward to. I can't wait for Sunday. And, and all the things, there were a bunch of things that, that I forgot. There are some things I didn't know. Um, so the behind-the-scenes stuff is, is terrific. But one of my favorite aspects of it is for all the young kids who never saw him play and just heard to get to see just how spectacular a player he was, just how ruthless a competitor he was, uh, is great for the younger generation to see because I, I always feel like uh, I didn't see Bill Russell. I wasn't in the Bill Russell era or somebody like Elgin Baylor. I wish I was. You know, I see the highlights and right. you see the numbers, and you, but until you really delve into it, it's hard to, to really get a good feel of just how great a, a certain player was from a different era. And so many of the younger generation are getting a chance to see that there's a reason why so many people think he's the greatest player of all time. And Mike Brain thinks uh, he's the GOAT as well? What? <laughs> Do you think he's the GOAT? Him or LeBron? Come on. We, we got 10 seconds. Oh, no. I, I will not compare players from different eras. I can't. He's, he was the greatest player of his era. There are other greatest players of their era. Uh, he's in the conversation, but I, I can't definitively pick I mean, Bernard, don't, don't forget, he's got to sit there every night with a uh, pretty good ball player himself in Wolf Frazier. He's one of the greatest of all time, too. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let's not forget uh, Clyde, right, for God's sake. One of the greats. Hey, listen, uh, Brini, you are the greatest. You're the best, and we are so happy you stopped by this morning. This was a fun, nice conversation. We're not talking about people dying. We're not talking about people going to the hospital. So thank you so much for this this morning. This was great. Thank you guys for your show. Love you guys, and, and hope to see you soon. All right, Michael. All the thank best, you. Mike. Thank you. All the love and all the best. You know, uh, Mike uh, Breen. Thank you, Mike. You know, P- um, Chad just uh, took a phone call. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I do know, actually. I shouldn't say that. If you missed the first two parts of the Michael Jordan uh, series last week, they're going to re-air those 
this Sunday at 7 o'clock before the new episodes 3 and 4 air at 9. And don't forget, if you do miss all of these on ESPN, much like um, the movie with uh, Bo Deedle and Robert De Niro, what was that called again? Um, the Irishman. Um, yeah. That was in theaters and on Netflix. Once ESPN is, is done with all 10 parts of this, you can watch it again on Netflix. They co-produce this afterwards, but you can watch the first two episodes uh, on Sunday night before the newest ones come your way at 9 o'clock. More of Bernie and Sid on a Friday. Serious. Mysterious. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Heard everywhere on the 77 WABC app. Whatever happened to Jesse J? She just disappeared. Jesse J? Everybody looked today, right? Was she yes, big at one Jessie point? Jesse J. Was she ever really big? She, she was with this song. Okay. And that was it. And then after that, I think she got hit by a car or something. Oh I mean, she got better, but yeah. uh, never, re, uh, never uh, you know, her star never shone again, Sydney. Uh, but anyway, that yeah, that, that's the, uh, the not-so-famous Jesse J. Hey, listen, that was great talking to Mike. That was a nice... Uh, it was great. He's just one, what a wonderful guy. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I've known him forever, and he's just really not affected at all. He, he, I'm sure he hates when you talk about that Hall of Fame stuff. He's such a humble dude, but in you know, any he, case... He really is. It's funny you say that. One quick story. I remember, uh, you know, Dan Levitard, who I worked with for many, many years, very successful, and uh, multi-multi-millionaire, newspapers, radio shows, TV. He would, uh, when people would call his show, and they would say nice things about him or his show, he would play a sound effect and hang up. And his contention was, was that... He was, you know, so humble. Uh, he, he didn't want to hear that stuff. The show's not about him. It's about the other guys on the show and blah, 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 right? So, um, and, he, and people believed him that he was such a humble guy. Make a long story short, I'm in a sales meeting one day at 790 The Ticket, and Dan Levitard comes storming in, storming in. He wanted his money. And his, um, <laughs> what he said to the management right there in the meeting in front of all of us was, let me tell you something. Outside of maybe Shaquille O'Neal and Dwayne Wade, I'm the third biggest star in this goddamn city. <laughs> this is the same guy who on the air is saying, don't say nice things to me because uh, it's not about me. It's about so, my guys. I want my money outside of Shaq and Wade. I'm the third biggest sports guy in this city. Mike Breen, not like that. Make a long story short, he's a phony. Yes, but I love him. <laughs> right. And you love Breen as well. I do, yes. Well, look, I guess it was a good act. Look, we all put on, uh, I mean, back in the day, of course, uh, I put on a persona when I was working with uh, Mr. Imus. It was a total persona. I mean, the, I, I was a vicious, nasty guy, you know, but uh, I don't I, I don't consider myself a vicious, no, nasty. Maybe no, I am. No, I can no, be. No, 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 no. You're, you're, I've been around a lot of people in my 20-year career, politicians, entertainers, <laughs> athletes. I've had... A ton of co-hosts, and I've never met, worked with, been funny with anybody like you. You're not like that at all, at well, all. Very, very nice of you to say, but I affected this uh, sarcastic, smart-ass, uh, oftentimes vicious persona back in the day to, in, a, in an effort to uh, fit in, you know, try to be funny and all that stuff. But uh, So same thing, I guess, with the Lebertard in a different uh, way. But here's the but difference. Th That's the difference between you, who put it on as, uh, as an act, as that's the great entertainer you are, and Andrew Cuomo, who actually really is that way. He's nasty. <laughs> he, he is nasty. He's got a reputation, always has had a reputation. That's probably one of the reasons why he doesn't get along with uh, de Blasio, who's just a buffoon. But, uh, you know, uh, Andrew has uh, a, a, a very 
uh, notorious reputation for losing his temper and flying off the handle and being very authoritative, authoritarian, like I should say, uh, Andrew Cuomo, who yesterday he was talking about this uh, antibody test, which is a big deal here in this state. They, they randomly tested 3,000 people. Now, they have done this before out in California, and they found bigger numbers have had the coronavirus, survived it, and have had these antibodies, meaning supposedly they would be immune and could donate their own blood to help cure uh, other coronavirus uh, patients. But, uh, yes, he did that uh, test yesterday in this state, authorized it, and said this about it. Take a listen. What we found so far is the statewide uh, number is 13.9% tested positive for having the antibodies. It means these are people who were infected and who developed the antibodies to fight the infection. If the infection rate is 13.9%, that would be about 0.5% death rate now that's 10 times more than was previously thought in uh, this state and that's good news and you would think it's counterintuitive to think that more people have gotten infected from the coronavirus that you would think that's bad news it's good news because it means the death rate is much lower as the governor just said it's 0.5 percent now and not uh, over one percent previously a a month ago they were telling you two months ago three to four percent but it also again is good news because it means that these people can they, they might have immunity, but they can definitely donate their blood plasma to, uh, to cure others. So that is good news. Now, among these numbers in New York City, New York City was the highest, 21% in New York City. So more than one in five people actually have had coronavirus and, and gotten over it, didn't realize it. One in five people, Long Island was 17%, Westchester was 12%, and the rest of the state was 4% which is, uh, I mean, they're a they're total different entity, uh, you know, upstate New York. You go north of, uh, I guess, uh, Rockland County, and it's just, it's just completely different. They don't really have a problem up there, which is why they could probably start to open up up there, obviously, a lot faster than us. But the, uh, the governor, he's still he's insisting on this uh, testing everybody. He, you know, and this is the way to do it, this antibody test, testing sample test people. Now, you know, you can't possibly test every single person, 330 million people in the United States, and then contact trace everybody who's been infected. I mean, that is such an uh, – and the governor himself said it's a massive undertaking. But the the problem is more than the the size of the undertaking, the time that it will take. I mean, we've already flattened the curve, slowed the spread. We didn't overwhelm the hospitals. It's time to open up. I mean, that's what you told us to do. We did it. It worked. And now it's time to protect the vulnerable. Uh, And and they are people uh, you've heard uh, – Northwell did a study – uh, it's people with hypertension, people with diabetes, elderly people. Protect those people. Have them stay at home and let the, the rest of us go back to work. Let the healthy people go back to work. Reopen this economy before you do permanent damage is what I'm saying to Andrew. And you want to get mad at me, Andrew? Go ahead. Okay, I don't care. Cares, right, okay. so, who but, cares? Who cares? Let's reopen this damn thing. And they're doing that in Georgia today. And God almighty, if that goes wrong, that guy is uh, going to get no. – he's going to be – He's going to be like the Osama bin Laden of politics if uh, if Georgia really, really spikes badly. But he, he could be a, a hero as well if it goes the other way. I mean, uh, it could it could work. It could work. It could they could maybe not be a spike. It could in the end, like the the country of Sweden, which never locked down. 
it could work out where the numbers are no bigger than the other states that had draconian lockdowns. So who knows? That starts today in Georgia, and some other states are lightening up as well. But Georgia's the big one today to watch. Good luck to them. I think somebody just sent me something that Lysol, this goes back to a conversation we've had a couple of times today. Can we confirm this, that Lysol came out with a... um, with a piece of news telling people, don't listen to President Trump and drink your disinfectants. Lysol, actually, yeah. I told Lysol you. Said, yeah, don't, Lysol don't, said, don't drink it? Don't listen to President Trump and inject and or drink your household cleaners. And, 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 and to that, you would obviously say what? Well, I mean, again, I told you this morning, my wife was watching some local network. She was horrified. She couldn't believe Donald Trump would even intimate that. And I told you even before that, early this morning, that I was getting uh, pounded and trying to defend Donald Trump, that he actually went out there yesterday and did that. So there's a healthy percentage of folks, whether they hate Donald Trump or not, that are actually putting forward uh, this uh, notion that he said to go out there and basically down your household products. What do you call that? What is the the famous term that the president has coined uh, in 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 the three and a half years of his presidency? The most famous term that he's known for. What would you call? I would call that fake news. Yeah, bingo. Yeah, bingo. But but that doesn't stop them, and stop. And and now we're talking about it. Of course, he never said that. Drink it and uh, and inject yourself. He never said any of that. I I I read the quote this morning. I'm not going to read it again. He never said anything close to that. So that's just a uh, uh, ridiculous uh, again the, it's, the hate yeah. and the t- the TDS that's much. going on here with these people is uh, off the charts and, and in the middle of a pandemic mind you this is really disgusting Oh good tune I like it meaning This is um ZZ Top Rough Boy I love this song Really? ZZ Top? You like this song, ZZ Top, Rough Boy. Come on. No? Not for you? I listen to it. When I I run, even. I like ZZ Top. Yeah? I love ZZ. Well, you like ZZ that. Top's supposed to put out uh, biking music yes, and stuff like that. They do. This they do is, legs, legs, legs. That's more of like this a, is, um, a, a, a like a, man. Yeah, like a, a, a love song. Tush. This is, yeah, really. This is uh, out of character. <laughs> you don't like for it? For a bunch no, of bearded uh, biker types. What am I, a biker type all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was talking about ZZ Top. Oh, okay. Not right, you. All right, all right. You are wearing your Pittsburgh Penguin sweatshirt today. I am. Are you a big Pittsburgh Penguin fan? Yeah. You are? I, we, I used to work for the Black <laughs> You can't slip up and pass it. Well, I don't know. Sometimes people wear shirts, not really fans. <laughs> they just they get a free shirt, they wear it. You know that, um, so now you know two great Sydneys. Yes, I do. Who's a better Sydney, Crosby or Rosenberg? Oh, well, that, there's no question. <laughs> Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you said, well, I got to be honest with you. When you said, you know, two Sydneys, I went, two. I know Crosby. Who's the other one? <laughs> but, oh, it's Sid. All right, all right. Okay. Yeah, okay. Wait, wasn't he one Sydney. of the most... Wasn't he one of the most hated guys in the league? Uh, everybody wanted to beat him up, or yeah, was he the enforcer he was, himself? Because he was good. That's right. why everybody was jealous of him. Right. All the guys that are good and don't really fight, like the Wayne Gretzky types, it was the same thing. Mario, they picked on. Mario was a tough guy. Let me. He Mario was a tough was, guy. Uh, yeah. I think Mario was better than Gretzky. You can make that argument. By the way, I'll, I'll make that argument every day of the week. Well, that, is you, it, that is sacrilege. That is sacrilege. No, it's not. How it's dare not really. you? When, when, you know, when you go by games played and minutes played, Lemieux was a better goal scorer than Gretzky. Yeah. Yes, he was. You know, when you put it that way. <laughs> well, Lemieux was sick. 
and missed a lot of games. Right. I mean, he missed a whole, I think he missed a whole, a whole year, year of one, yeah. Hodgkin disease, yeah. yeah. And he didn't have Mark Messier and yeah. Yari Curry and all those great players. Beautiful day. Yes. It's a beautiful day. Every time, uh, we talked about this a couple days ago. Patient gets discharged. It's about 750 now, 750 from Maimonides Hospital in Brooklyn. They played this song, You Too, It's a Beautiful Day. Now, usually, uh, dear friend Patrick Borgen joins us on these days, but Pat is uh, playing golf today. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> so now we've got this guy's a great guy, too. I've met him, too. I think I met this gentleman at the El Carib at the, uh, the big party for Maimonides a couple of months ago. He's the president and CEO of Maimonides Hospital in Brooklyn. Has been that way for five years. Under his leadership, by the way, Maimonides is now a top ten hospital in the nation. It is Ken Gibbs. Ken, good morning. Welcome to the Burning and Sid Show, pal. How are you? Damn glad to be here. Well, nice to have you, too. Yes, so, thank you. Uh, Borgen's not really playing golf, is he? <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to check up on him. <laughs> he better be wearing a goulashes and a raincoat. Yeah, yeah he is. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough out there. You're right. Hey, so let's get right to what you guys are doing every day. Again, Pat usually stops by. We know that you guys in Brooklyn, like Elmhurst and Queens, you guys uh, got hit pretty hard with this. But all the numbers that we hear from political officials, Ken, seem to indicate that uh, the, the numbers are way down. Hospital visits, intubations, deaths, all of it. Can you confirm and or deny any of that in Brooklyn? Uh, I can confirm it. We've discharged 700 patients safely, and we now are at uh, 25% lower than the peak. You know, this COVID-19, uh, Mr. Gibbs, it just snuck up us. Uh, yeah, it snuck, us, snuck up on us, excuse me. It was uh, very rapid, of course. Can you walk us through some of the major steps that Maimonides took to battle the virus and ensure the uh, highest level of preparedness which you have displayed? Can't walk you. Got to run you. We had to run super fast. In a matter of weeks, we had a plan to take 400-odd beds to over 1,000. We ended up building uh, over 840. That was things like taking a lounge and turning it into a gynecological ER or taking an ambulatory surgery center and turning it into an ICU. In essence, we rebuilt the hospital, added 50%. But you know the biggest thing? Team Maimonides, there isn't a single person with a job who didn't have their job changed. No, I, I can imagine that, Ken, because I think every hospital, that was kind of the case. You know, at one point, we even asked Pat about the oncology department and uh, all the great stuff you guys do with cancer. In a borough of four million people, you're the only ones that even really uh, concentrate on that. And we started to wonder if, in fact, these other patients were kind of, you know, put second fiddle behind the COVID patients. But Pat ensured us that was never the case at your hospital. Never the case, um, and right now, actually, we're about 40% uh, non-COVID patients, and we never stop taking care of strokes, heart attacks, and cancer patients who are some of the most vulnerable people to infections. Uh, you guys have been terrific. I just got to tell you, Maimonides, outstanding, and uh, it's been a really, really rough patch. Still tough, still very, very tough. But uh, tell us about the... the, the, the the effect that this COVID-19 disease has had some, on some of the frontline staff at your hospital. So folks here have been unbelievably heroic. Everybody experiences this challenge differently. Um, many, you know, have to confront fear 
Um, other have to confront challenges in terms about being worried about bringing infection home to families. Everybody has had their own personal challenge, but it has been amazing how everybody has locked arms to carry themselves forward. We've been very concerned, and we've launched all sorts of mental health services for our employees, and we actually think the challenge is going to be greater when we get uh, farther past this and people have a little space. But one thing we have confidence of is that sense of team and spirit carries everybody here through. No question. I've been there for so many events and walked around the hospital. Hashi, of course, Organbaum, one of my friends, has introduced me to you guys. And you guys just do an incredible job. I'm a Brooklyn boy myself, Ken, as you know, Ken Gibbs. So we can't thank you enough. So what do you think? What do you see moving forward here? It seems like, once again, the numbers are going down. You've got lots of other patients you tend to every single day. What do you see going forward? Uh, we really uh, are going to be growing back um, the services for everybody, meaning right now there's a lot of deferred need. Um, people have been keeping to themselves, and some folks are, are concerned, understandably. And so going forward, we just want to emphasize that we've had a safe environment for taking care of a full set of needs, um, and we're going to continue to do that. At the same time, we are prepared for all uncertainty. If there's another surge, we're ready for it. And just as an example on that, over 200 of our patients have gotten experimental treatments, and we're at the forefront of trying to make accessible new trials and new treatments to attack this insidious disease. So we are prepared both on the fronts for continuing to address this crisis, but also to be in a position to meet the deferred needs of everybody. Wow, not surprised, but very, still very impressed. Ken Gibbs, uh, president and CEO of Maimonides Medical Center in Brooklyn. Uh, Mr. Gibbs, is there anybody in particular you'd like to acknowledge that has helped play a part in this uh, remarkable journey? Outside of me and Bernie, of course. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I got to do three. Um, the phrase frontline for frontline staff is real. It's important. It describes something. And those folks get the first shout out. Got to give the second shout out to everybody else on the team supporting them. And then last, I got to say to your listeners, to New York, to the Brooklyn spirit, that is the character that supports us, drives us, and the connection with everybody makes it happen. The donations from the community have been incredible. Food's been well publicized, but it's across the board in lots of ways. One point, even two dialysis machines showed up. It's wow. just incredible. You know, it took uh, seven minutes, Ken Gibbs, seven minutes to find out why in your five-year stay as the boss, you guys are doing so well. It's a good yard. So thank you so much for your, uh, your hard work and your courage and bravery and all the folks that work with you at Maimonides in Brooklyn. We love you all. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you, guys. I'm looking forward to my invitation back. You Thank you. It. You'll be uh, back. Anytime. There he is, Ken he, Gibbs. He really does. They have our deep gratitude, these, these medical professionals. I mean, what they did, what they went through, what they're still going through. I mean, it's nothing short of heroic. It really is. It's a miracle. Now, listen, uh, you mentioned Sweden a couple of times today as one of the places where they've done a very good job of controlling this virus. You know, what's amazing about this show is the reach we've got. I'm not always surprised when we get a call from somewhere in New Jersey or Connecticut or even Virginia or Florida. But every now and then, we'll mention some country, Bernie, outside the United States, and somebody will be listening. 
Well, that's the case this morning. Here's Gary on line five. He's in Sweden. Good morning, Gary. Come on. Good morning, guys. Good morning. This is really an honor. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for the job you do. I, I As I mentioned to the, the screener that I need you guys like I need oxygen. I'm listening to you every single day. And, Sid, your show on Sunday is just brilliant. Oh, wow. Thank you. Oh, how about that? Very yeah, nice. They love us in Sweden, Bernard. Are you, where, are you in Stockholm or uh, in the mountains, no, or where are you? No, actually, I'm in southern Sweden. I'm in a little town called Helsingborg, which is about an hour north of Malmö. Wow. Quite close to Denmark. Really very close to Denmark. Oh, we're going to buy Denmark soon. I've heard. I've heard. Well, Gary, very impressive. Awesome. Not awesome. Sweet. Yes. Uh, Well, who was uh, Elke Summer? Was uh, wasn't she Swedish? Uh, Who were some of the great Swedes? American Swedes. Abba. Abba. Right. Abba. Yeah. Hockey players too. Tons of those guys. Yeah. Tons of hockey players. Yeah. Hey, by the way, talking about the Sunday show, Rudy Giuliani will once again, the mayor, sit in with me from ten to eleven this Sunday morning. And last week we brought on the great Yankee Tino Martinez. Talking about post 9-11, that World Series, all that good stuff. And this Sunday, Rudy and I will, will sit down with the former Giants coach, who the year before 9-11 coached the Giants to the Super Bowl. And then, of course, was the Giant coach on that fateful day, Jim Fossil. And I've told you this story before about Fossil and the Giants. Bernie, so they went to the Super Bowl. They got killed by the Baltimore Ravens. Lebrosi, I think, was working in Baltimore then. Kerry Collins had a terrible game. So they started the next season on Monday Night Football because they went to the Super Bowl the year before, and they got blown out by the Denver Broncos Monday night, September 10th. So they leave Colorado in the middle of the night to fly back to New Jersey. They get back to Newark Airport after the loss Monday night at like 6 a.m. Tuesday morning, and the Giants plane literally pulls right next to United Flight 93, which took off moments later. Wow. That's quite the story. Not, That's, uh, not eerie? That is a uh, goose pimple type of story right there. Yeah. Wow. That's so he's going to yeah. be, you, you, Rudy, and uh, Mr. Fossil, Sunday right. morning. And Fossil's been on with you and I. He loves you too, Bernie. So, yes, the three of us on Sunday. And then, of right. course, Sunday afternoon, you got the right versus left, which you started. And uh, you were great. You knocked uh, the crap out of Christopher Hahn. This Sunday features me against a very famous comedian actor, Tom Arnold. And then um, Rich Valdez against Juliet Huddy. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show, heard everywhere in the 77 WABC app. Big Bernard. And, uh, it, is a, it is a happy Friday, right, It Sid? is? I don't know. At Kiernan. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, no, they actually wanted me. He did the 5 to 6 o'clock hour for about a year or two. And uh, when we were owned by Cumulus, uh, one of the Dickey brothers tried to talk me into co-hosting the show with him. And so I met with him for uh, lunch downstairs in Penn Station, and it was the longest hour of my life. <laughs> <laughs> this Canuck, who, by the way, he hosts the New York uh, One morning show, news show, and he talked, he's, oh, e, oh, e, you know, e, it's like that, e. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable, but... Uh, uh, so what happened now that you ripped him a new one? He tweeted uh, Donald Trump, you know, asking that question last night. You know, should, what about these, you know, cleaning products that seem to kill the virus? And he said, quote, I'm not paid to be speechless, but what is there to say? Now, I told you two or three times this morning during breaks and early this morning, I watched him and he basically said that the president said 
go and inject yourself with these household products, which we know the president never said. So I sent back to Pat Kiernan just now. I said, it's a lie, Pat. You're better than this. He never encouraged Americans to inject anything. He simply asked it to Bill Bryant. Don't be CNN. Leave that crap to Errol. That's what I sent to your friend Pat Kiernan. Uh, that's good. That's, that, that's actually constructive uh, advice for him and not it wasn't as vicious as it could have been because look uh first of all all this guy does is read the headlines of the papers in the morning that's all he does that's what he's known for and for that they actually considered uh, partnering him up with uh, kelly ripper he was in the running believe it or not after regis left but uh that aside the local news is as biased as dishonest as the cable news channels as the uh, network news channels that you see as night at night, maybe even worse because uh, the, the the effect may be worse because I think more people watch them, you know, and they, they trust these people. They, they 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 put their trust in them. They watch New York One. Pat Kiernan said it must be true, right? Well, not of only, course it's not. Of course it's not. Not just Pat Kiernan, but I told you I've seen it in a bunch of places, and that's why this is a perfect call. Ellie uh, Bernard is in Peekskill Online too, and I guess saw the same thing. Good morning, Ellie. Yeah, how you guys doing? Hey, pal. Good. I watched the briefing yesterday. And the science suggests that sunlight weakens or kills the virus. So Trump said, maybe we can use UV lights to, you know, as a disinfectant. Yeah, but they're not, they're yeah. not even talking this morning about UV lights. That's not their, 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 yeah. their real rub I mean, is with him talking about using stuff that's in household products and maybe even injecting humans with some of that stuff. That's where they're saying, Trump said, inject yourself, which, of course, he never said. I never but, heard but to, that. I don't, but to, I Ellie's, to Ellie's point, by the way, that should be the big news. And I, I brought that up this morning. I played the clips of the DHS guy. Talking about the sunlight, the uh, heat, the humidity, the UV light that you you could use indoors to kill the virus, thereby opening restaurants and making them more palatable to reopen. That should be the news. But instead, they're going with this fake garbage. Uh, Apparently, I mean, as you say, I didn't hear about it until you mentioned it this morning. They're, they're running with this fake news. It's unbelievable. There's another call here, Bernard, on this same topic. It's a big story now. It's Amy. She's in New York Online 5. Good morning, Amy. Hello, uh, Sid and Bernie. Hi, sweetie. I just wanted to say something about, I heard the press conference yesterday. Um, what Mr. Bryant from Frederick, Fredericksburg, Maryland, talked about is the fact that they discovered that uh, humidity, heat, and sunlight are all things that can have very devastating effect on that virus, okay? The president is a very intelligent guy, and he's, a, he's very good at taking ideas and looking at what might be workable, okay? And we've got a catastrophe going on, at least that's what everyone seems to think. We can't go to work or anything, right? So right. he's looking at ways to try to incorporate this into something that helps us. Right, but you keep you guys so, keep mentioning the the ultraviolet, the sun rays. That's not the rub. The rub this morning is, I guess at one point he talked about the stuff that's in like household products and Americans injecting that in some form. That's what the rub is today. It's not the sunlight, the ultraviolet stuff. You heard that part of the press conference when he asked Bill Bryan about the possibility of doing something like that. He said something to the effect of, 
uh, is are the scientists and doctors talking to each other about whether there are conceivable ways to incorporate elements of what Bill Bryant has discovered are harmful to that virus right and incorporate them into uh, I mean if you could incorporate some element of what we derive from the sunlight but, 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 right but, but, but you never heard, you never heard the president Amy you never heard the president encourage Americans to do something as silly as oh I don't know inject bleach Oh, of that's what not. I'm trying thank to you. say to you. Right. Thank, you. We got, thank you. We got it. Thank you, Amy. So there it is, buddy. So. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. You know, listen, he was uh, – I'm back here. I was off for a second. He was spitballing, all right? I have the quote right here. Uh, they were talking about disinfectants with the guy, the D- DHS guy, Brian, who did bring up the heat, the humidity, the UV lights, all that stuff, which is great news. That, I mean – I would focus on the good news the the you know, that the summer may may see uh, a respite, big time respite from this uh, virus because of the uh, just just the climate. Anyway, after talking about the disinfectants, the president said this. This is a quote. Quote: I see the disinfectant that knocks it out in a minute, one minute. He now he's talking to uh, Brian. And is there a way we can do something like that by injection inside or almost a cleaning? Because you see it get inside the lungs and it does a tremendous number on the lungs. So it would be interesting to check that. Right. That's, so, that, that's not saying that's not saying he didn't say inject anything. He's asking. Exactly. Right. OK, so here now we know that New York one is bad. We know CNN is bad, but uh, you especially. But both of us have talked about the networks being just as bad. I guess CBS is guilty, too. Here's Stephen, New Jersey online, too. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Leading story. Seven o'clock. President suggests dangerous approach to curing the virus. <laughs> and that's on CBS, right, Steve? Story. Gail King, yep. the first minute of the show. Gail King, idiot. Unbelievable. Thank you, Steve. Can't stand Unbelievable. her. Unbelievable. I know you like her. You, you say nice things about her. Who, me? She's, yeah, because she's a female. She's black. She's Oprah's friend. I can't stand her. Uh, she's, uh, she's, uh, she's, she's despicable. And her, her, her uh, you know, her journalism is despicable. Okay, and I mean, fine. people, people that listen to her and put their trust in her, they believe what she says. So they're going to believe that they're going to believe that fake news that she just perpetrated right there, perpetuated. I mean, that's so here we go again. I mean, what's new? But the fact that they're focusing on everything negative and then distorting stuff, it really it's it's just you continue to to be surprised. They're stooped to new lows. I mean, more and more and more in the middle of a pandemic. You talk Mario. Andrew Cuomo said yesterday, "Oh, we shouldn't be politicizing any of this." That's what they're doing yep. by 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 putting forth this fake news. It's politicizing. They politicize everything every day. Well, the good news is we got a full board of calls, and we have another full segment of Bernie and Sid coming your way. Love it, George Harrison. George, where are you, George? Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show, heard everywhere on the 77 WABC app. Of course, this reminds you of Goodfellas. No, Sid? Yeah, it does. Yep. And uh, you know what's funny? Uh, Songs that remind you of Goodfellas don't remind you any more of anything else. That's 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 true. Right? That's it. That is it. It reminds you of, uh, well, that scene, that famous scene. But uh, let's get right back into this, uh, of course, this fake news, this latest episode of uh, fake news, which will probably come back to bite these guys in the butt. I mean, people, I, I think they're hip to it, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, this is the president on February 10th 
uh, talking about uh, the virus and heat. Take a listen to this. The heat, generally speaking, kills this kind of virus, so that would be a good thing. That was February 10th. Now, he got slaughtered for saying that. They're like, what does he know? What is he talking about? He's always talking about it. I'm not going to waste your time by playing the, the montage that we have of the fake news just killing the president on that. Here is the uh, Department of Homeland Security uh, science and te- technology head. His name is Bill Bryant. This is him yesterday at the White House task force briefing. What he said and should be the lead story uh, on the, the news that came out of the briefing yesterday. Take a listen. The virus dies the quickest in the presence of direct sunlight under these conditions. And when you, when you look at that chart, look at the aerosol as you breathe it. You put it in a room, 70 to 75 degrees, 20% humidity, low humidity. Uh, it lasts, the half-life is about an hour. But you get outside and it cuts down to a minute and a half. That's good. That's great news. That's fantastic news. So let people outside. I mean, the, the, the virus doesn't live above 72 degrees in the humid weather in the sun. Or you can use the UV lamps. I, I saw a doctor yesterday, uh, a heart doctor, talking about how you can use these UV lights in a restaurant. It, it, it would make open, reopening restaurants more palatable if you had these UV lights up on the roof uh, at a certain dosage. And, uh, Sid, it's great news for you as well. You go to tanning salon, That's right. right? I, I could go, to, go out to eat and uh, get a tan at the same time. That's why you sometimes fall asleep on the subway <laughs> and you, you, you go up to 242nd Street and Broadway and back down to uh, where you live in the Upper West Side, and you've never gotten the coronavirus never, because never of, of the UV lights. You know, it's funny you but, say that. I'm going to call my friend Raul today. He owns tanning salons all across the city and say, hey, based upon what, what uh, you know, Brian said yesterday and Donald Trump, reopen the damn tanning salons. Why not? Well, not so not so fast because uh, after that, after Bryant said that yesterday, and again, if, if, if they, obviously they must have documented it, otherwise you wouldn't be out there saying it, it was the Department of Homeland Security. Anyway, th- this was the fake news just yesterday after the briefing on that guy's claim. Now he's making dangerous claims about. Um, UV light. The UV lamps is not going to protect you from COVID-19. I don't want people to think that this is another miracle cure. The president just sort of amplified these these statements of uh, that are without evidence. And again, I, I'm sure people are going to go out now and try to figure out how they can uh, buy uh, UV lights. <laughs> that guy sounded like Al Franken. Uh, but either way, I mean, they can't take they can't take good news. These people, I don't understand. They're just so negative, a bunch of uh, bitter, sore losing, uh, just hateful people. I, I just don't understand. And now, of course, everybody's running with the uh, fake news story about the president said drink bleach or uh, drink a disinfectant or inject yourself with it or whatever. Totally fake. Uh, listen, Massimo is in Delaware. Massimo, you're on the Bernie and Sid show on 77 WABC. Good morning, Massimo. Good morning, guys. So first of all, Bernie, I listened to Imus because I wanted to hear Bernie. Okay, so that's... Uh, well, thank you. The other thing is... I appreciate it. Why not use UV light? Put it on the ventilator. Use the uh, fiber optic or something. Put light inside the lungs. What could it hurt? It won't hurt. It won't hurt. So my well, you've always you've always heard uh, people say that sunlight is the best disinfectant, right? You've heard that. That's always been a maximum from way, a maximum, excuse me, from way back. And there may be some truth to it, according to the uh, uh, Mr. Bryant at the DHS yesterday, the, the science and technology head of the DHS. It works. It's true. Tim is in Orange County, Sydney. Tim, Tim, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, guys. How we doing? Doing good, pal. We could be a lot worse. Uh-huh. Thank you, Tim. 
Yes, sir. Okay, so there's a, there's a neurosurgeon, Dr. Jack Cruz. He's been talking about the benefits of, of uh, sunlight for about over 10 years. It's very well documented, wrote a book, maybe two books. Um, early morning sunlight, in other words, sunrise and sunset is when the beneficial rays are any time of year, anywhere on the planet. You get to see the sunrise and sunset. You will uh, receive the beneficial rays from the sun, which builds your immunity, um, which also, um, you know, obviously is something that we all need at this point, right? We all want exactly. And it's free. exactly right, which is why keeping everybody indoors is dumb. Exactly. exactly. Well, you know, the problem is, uh, thank you for the call, you don't want to keep everybody indoors when it's nice and sunny out, but the weather here in New York City is not cooperating. It's been crappy almost every <laughs> no, day. It's not. It's terrible. But uh, uh, always the eternal optimist myself, tomorrow is supposed to be beautiful. Right. In the 60s. No, it is. And then it's going to rain it's, until Tuesday. Well, you know, yeah, right. Okay, so sleep today. Right. Go out tomorrow. Right. And then we'll worry about Sunday when it comes. Or move back to Boca, where it's 82 and sunny every single day. And, and by the way, Ron, Ron DeSantis, they're, they're, he's about yes. to reopen the state of Florida. Exactly right. And, and where, by the way, they've had tremendous success. I mean, he was getting slaughtered, uh, but they, their deaths per 100,000, as I mentioned earlier, Sydney, I'm a stat machine here today. Their deaths per 100,000 are four. Four. Now, Ron DeSantis was getting killed. Four per 100,000. In New York, 81 per 100,000. Why doesn't Ron DeSantis get the halo from the media like Governor please, Cuomo? Please. Never going to yeah, happen. It's a, it's a good question, isn't it? But, uh, but yes. Uh, and then, of course, Georgia today is uh, that guy. He's really putting himself out. He's going out on a limb big time. They're going to reopen everything all in with the, the gyms, the uh, hair salons, uh, tanning salons. You could move to, uh, I don't know, uh, Atlanta City or so, another city. What's it? Just north of the Florida border. I, 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 I like the suburbs. You're talking about Savannah, but I like I like the suburbs by Atlanta, like Marietta. Those places are really beautiful. Atlanta's kind of rough for me, but I would move so, to no, Georgia tomorrow. There is a section in Atlanta that's really nice. What the hell do they call that? Uh, it's very, very affluent. Uh, it's, it's nice, Peach but Street. whatever. Nah, no. it's something hill. It's two words, okay. whatever. Yeah. But you could move there. Anyway, that guy's reopening today, and yeah. other states are lightening up on some of their restrictions. So, uh, But uh, Governor Cuomo is still insisting on uh, testing everybody and assembling a massive army of contact tracers before we open because we're going to be safe. Yeah. Uh, notwithstanding, uh, oblivious to the fact that people are going to die, businesses are going to die. Uh, people are going to be depressed, uh, and we might not be able, be able to recover from the economic devastation that he's perpetuating by not talking about opening. At least talk about it. Don't don't just uh, dismiss it. You told us when we flatten the curve, we stop the spread, that we were going to, then we will be successful. And we passed the apex. The, uh, the hospital systems have not been overwhelmed. They went through hell, but they have not been. Anybody that needed a bed got a bed. The hospital ship, if it hasn't left already, it's leaving. It's time to start to talk about opening up, if not maybe uh, tomorrow in New York City, at least upstate New York, where, according to this antibody uh, uh, testing that they did, 
uh, the cases of infections are, are really, really low. Very low. But, I can tell you that yeah. uh, for a fact. My parents live up there, but he's nowhere near doing it in this city, either as Phil Murphy uh, in New Jersey. And uh, he continues uh, to have the power. So, look, he talked about May 15th uh, as the next possible date. But if you want to win money today, you want to win money today, I'm not even sure FanDuel is still in business. Go bet your house, your car, your kids' education, all of it, that on May 15th, he extends it another two weeks. Guaranteed. Well, it doesn't make uh, – look, you're right. And, and, and what is the uh, – what, what do you think the motivation is at this point? They, they love the attention. Plus, there are political uh, motivations underlying all this, I believe. Yeah. I mean, look, who knows better, Sydney, than Alexa, right? Alexa knows all, doesn't she? I believe so. Well, let's find out. Alexa, how long will the coronavirus last? The virus itself may last only two more weeks or so, but the faction known as the Democrat Party will continue to make it last psychologically for at least six more months. Their motivation is to thoroughly ruin the economy and blame our great President Trump for it. They are trying to stop his inevitable re-election by any surreptitious means possible. It is well known that people who do not suffer from TDS are too smart for this hoax and will not allow it to go beyond four more weeks. The lazy Americans with TDS will continue to milk the government for more money and time off from work confusing it with being their sugar daddy. We can agree that not longer than four to six weeks in America will be back online. God, that's beautiful. That you is know, yeah. It really is. Oh, uh, that uh, is good. Alexa. Anything, uh, any, any humor with uh, a grain of truth to it, and it's got, that's got more than a grain of truth to it. It's just uh, it's brilliant is what it is. Do we want to take a, a phone call or yeah, two here? we're going to go to Mark in uh, New Rochelle on line five. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Okay. Sid and Bernie, good morning. How are you two guys? Okay. How you doing, Mark? Oh, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, Sid, this is directed to you. Why did the Lysol company... Or the the bleach company said their product is not to be used to be injected or to be. Well, 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 you asked me the question. I'll tell you why. Because they didn't listen to exactly what President Trump said. They want to embarrass President Trump. They want to make people like you, who you sound like a nice guy, but you're clearly uninformed. Uh, they, want, they want to make people like you think President Trump is a bigger dummy than he really is. So they go out there and lie every single day. And then people like you, again, you sound like a nice guy. You're dumb enough to I, believe I not, it and I make a phone call like this. Trump. I am not against Trump. So don't yeah. even think that way. Even watch the BBC News this morning. I thought, Mark, 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 I don't listen. You can name the BBC, CBS, NBC, ABC, New York One. I don't give a crap. You, you it doesn't need, matter. They're lying. Stop. They're all you lying. They're you all need, yeah, lying. You need to stop put out that anything this guy this guy says is true. Oh, whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Uh, that's Bernard. I, I have been very critical of President Trump a million times over no, the last Bernie, couple of Bernie years. Bernie Bean, not you said. Bernie Bean. Not you, said. No, no. I have been I, I have been critical of President Trump a bunch over the last couple of I, years. I'm still voting for him. He's still the best choice I've got. Ten times better than Joe Biden. But I'm not above criticizing the guy. But I, this is I, a I, lie I, today. This is a lie. Uh, so, so was the uh, Charlottesville thing. The this is akin to that. A bunch Thank of lies. Know. A string of lies. I mean, just come on. It, it's a nonstop. And uh, read the transcript from last night. Watch the clip. He never said what they're alleging he said. By the way, the bottles of Lysol, ch- check this out. This is interesting. If you look at a bottle of Lysol, 
It actually says it's effective. You look at the small print. It actually uses the word coronavirus. <laughs> it's effective against coronavirus. Look at the small print. But you're not supposed to drink it or inject it, right. and nobody claimed you did. Right. So, uh, so it's a lie. But uh, Mark into a show, don't worry about it. You sound like a lovely guy. Go enjoy your weekend. And the next time you even consider calling the station and messing with me, you may not want to do that. We are in this together. 77 WABC. Billy Bang Bang. Rock with it, girl. Billy Bang Bang. Back here on the Bernie and Sid Show. Heard everywhere on the 77 WABC app. The last segment of the week on the Bernie and Sid Show. It's been a great week. A tough week, of course. Uh, you know, it's uh, we're, we're in the middle of a plague, for God's sake. But, uh, look, we were talking earlier about this. Uh, they want to test everybody and they want to assemble the governor, the governor of this state and other states as well. But the governor talked about it in the last couple of days. Assemble a contact tracing army. And he's going to put Bloomberg in charge of the whole thing. And that's that has to happen before we open the economy, which is going to take forever. But in addition to that, once they get this contact tracing army out there, they want, they want their idea is to issue certificates of immunity. Believe it or not, you talk about Big Brother. Orwellian uh, uh, control over the individual here. That's that's exactly what they want to do. Of course, that would never work. I mean, that that is North Korean type stuff. I'm sorry, that, but that's what they want to do. And of course, it would lead to fake IDs, fake immunity certificates. Just like I said, oh, the yeah. fake IDs are going into bar. It would lead to a black market. It just it's just a, a disaster. Just reopen the economy. Right. Reopen it. Protect the vulnerable and and let the healthy go back to work. And it'll work its way through. We'll, we'll reach herd immunity at some point. Right. At, that, that, some, that's how and, it has and, to be and, done. And if, so, if some people pass away, as devastating and as sad as it is, that's what has to happen. I, I hate to say and it. it. What, right. And then the numbers are way, way, way lower than what they initially projected when right. they shut us all down. Uh, so, look, it, it just it, – they, they have a – there's an underlying motive to all this uh, uh, crap that they're putting. They're moving the goalpost. Again, we lowered the curve. We slowed the spread. The hospitals are fine. It's time to reopen. Let's go to Alan, Sydney, who's right next door to me uh, in Long Beach. Good, good morning to you, Alan. How you doing, guys? I think I've come up with the cure. You know, I was watching the news conference yesterday. What did you say was the most effective thing against it? It was rubbing alcohol. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's not chemically much difference between rubbing alcohol and the alcohol you put in your body. True. So I was wondering what happens if you raise your blood alcohol level up, up enough. I mean, let's say a, a pint of vodka. I like it. <laughs> I like it. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, I like what idea. I hear. Culprit Island, I kind of like that. Bottoms idea. up, bro. Yeah. You know, two things. First of all, Buckhead, is that what you're looking for in Georgia? That's it, Buckhead. Yeah. Beautiful. And Orwellian, of course, Bernie keeps saying that, but folks that haven't picked up on it, that would be George Elwell, right? 1984, Big Boss? <laughs> there wouldn't be. Yes, you're right. George Orwell, exactly. Big Brother, 1984, government runs and controls everything, including your, your thinking, your movements, you name it, everything. 1984, exactly. Orwellian. And that's what it seems like they want to do here. It's, I mean, this is, this is, they're taking advantage of this crisis to, uh, to, to grab power, to, to, to control us. I mean, look. To implement their Green New Deal. Nobody's working now. No. 
Uh, no, everybody's home. The, the cars, the, the, there's no emissions coming from cars. So to them, that's a success. That's why uh, AOC said the other day, this is a great thing. She had to take down the tweet that the oil industry has collapsed. Yeah. She said, I love to see this. And then she took it down. But she loves to see this. No, listen, this is their dream. There's no doubt. Being realized. Yes. Uh, we are done for the week. We got to run here. You'll hear me with Rudy at 10 o'clock on Sunday. Back with uh, Tom Arnold at 4 o'clock on Sunday. Bernie and I back together at 6 a.m. on Monday. Well, it's a great week. Like Bernie just said, Bernie, you are magnificent as always. Thank you to Matt Meany. Thank you to Chad Lopez, Dave Labrosi, John Casamatidis, everybody. Brian Kilmeade is coming up next till Sunday at 10 from all of us to all of you. Peace! Peace!